scares me, that lady. Blog Talk Radio. I don't know, she seems all nice, but uh, I don't trust <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, are you Well, I can already tell you, you've read more than my family has. <laughs> well, I'm like family now at this point, so I guess At this point, absolutely. Yeah. So hey, you're that uncle who leaves the bathroom open at family dinners. <laughs> Light a match. <laughs> He duct taped his uh, driver's license to the inside of his thigh, you know, in case somebody found him dead in the park. <laughs> his driver's license would be, I, I didn't ask him what, what happened when he ripped the duct tape off. <laughs> Jesus. It sounds like, it sounds like a Craigslist encounter. <laughs> No commercials, no subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. And tonight, really, no roadmap, no rules, as I already said, but but no roadmap as well. Uh, we, we're really kind of going to wing it tonight, and this is one of those spur-of-the-moment sort of episodes that came to me a few days ago. I was kind of thinking about what I should do on the next edition of the show, and I realized I had missed a week, and I was like, this is ridiculous. I need to produce something good for these folks now. They've already waited a week, and I'm like, you know, racking my brain, what's, what can I do that's going to be good? What's going to be good? Then I just got this picture of Jason Offit's smiling face, and I said, Jason Offit, that's who needs to come on Banal of America Audio again. we got to get him back on the show. It's been over a year since we talked to him. I talk to him all the time. I feel like folks don't realize. Like, I chat with Jason on Facebook all the time. So it's like he's always around for me. But then I look back and I'm like, Jesus, we haven't had Offit on the show since the summer of 2013. Summer of 2013. So it's been way too long. And recently he put out a couple of books. Uh, In December he put out A Funeral Story, which is a fictional work. And uh, then he put out... In January, How to Kill Monsters Using Common Household Items, which sounds fascinating, and I'm excited to talk to him about that. And really looking forward to catching up with him here for the BOA Audio listeners. So uh, welcome back to the show, Jason. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to look at a clock in about, it'll seem like we'll look at the clock in five minutes, but it'll be two hours uh, from now. That's how wild and woolly and freewheeling our conversations go. So welcome back, buddy. Really looking forward to it. Hey, well, thanks, thanks for the invite, Tim. It's always a pleasure. But I'm going to try something new tonight, uh, which is going to make for great radio. During the entire program, I'm going to eat chips. Wow, really? I think that's going to sound terrific. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is that some kind of inside joke? No, no, no it was that. just going to be noise. I was going to say Cheerios because that's all I got with me. I don't eat chips. But, just uh, soak them up with milk. You'll be fine. They'll be like squishy. Yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> How have you been, Tim? I've been well. I've been well. How have you been? You got these two books that came out uh, uh, in the last uh, so far here in the last few months. What's what's going on with these books? Well, it's uh, something I've been. Uh, <clears throat> I've just been been busy. I, I, I sat around for for a couple of years uh, writing uh, fiction fairly heavily, and uh, uh, then started uh, started to get them published. Uh, the first one you mentioned was a funeral story. That is my first novel. And the uh, the How to Kill Monsters Using Common Household Items is a, uh, is a is a parody book. So I had a lot of fun with both of them. 
They sound good. They sound good. I haven't had a chance to uh, read them yet, but I'm interested in how... Was A Funeral Store your first, like, fictional work? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, of that of that length, I've had a number of uh, science fiction slash horror short stories published over the years, and um, I did write a novel right out of college, which was awful. Uh, but this was my first one, good enough to actually get to actually get a publishing contract on. Oh no, is that awful novel out there, or have you managed to stricken it from the record? Oh no, it was it was so. I, I wrote it when I was 21 years old, and it was so awful that uh, it's never saw the light of day. I'm sure the uh, publishers I sent it to got a great laugh whenever they got a re- right before they dumped it in the trash. All right. It's going to emerge after you die. That's how these things I'll work. Probably so. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know I hope not. <laughs> It'll be good, though. If they really want to publish it at that point, it, it'll become a hot item, you know? So Pro- Probably will, and in. hopefully my, my, yeah, my kids are, earn something from it. Right. That's, that's one of the, the things. The first, the first novel has got to be terrible. Got to learn from something. That's true. I tried writing a movie about Bigfoot uh, back in 2003 before I got mixed up in all this, and uh, it was terrible also. So, yeah. With that subject matter, I don't see how. <laughs> well, I was way ahead of the curve on the Bigfoot movie idea, too. This was like, I had the idea around, around 2000, 2002. This is way before all these Bigfoot movies came along. I really got really got screwed on that one. Now tell me about how to kill monsters using common household items. That wasn't sure how to describe it. Parody book, comedy book, I guess you could say. Some, what is that? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's 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 humor. It's 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 a it's a it's a parody how-to book and nice. uh, survival guide. And yeah, I was just um, I, it's, it's amazing where ideas pop into your head. Uh, I was uh, just sitting around the house, and for some reason, I thought, what would happen if a werewolf burst into my house right now? How would I defend myself? And, uh, I mean, my wife's like, why do you think of shit like this? Well, sorry. Um, (laughs) So, I mean, what would I do? And sitting there in my living room on the couch, the closest thing I had was the DVD player. Yeah. I don't think that would do a werewolf any good. Okay? Second instinct was toss the cat at it. There is something important. I labeled that a werewolf distraction device. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, when the when the cat's flailing away, it gives you plenty of time, I don't know, to grab a stick for it to go fetch or a shotgun or something to that effect. There's got to be something in your house, in every single room, to defend yourself about, uh, against every single mon- monster possible. <laughs> Is your house like this now? Have you adopted this philosophy? Well, all except for the one to get rid of... Uh, uh, to get rid of uh, you know uh, reanimated corpses, the Frankenstein monster type thing, because they're afraid of fire. Mm. And uh, one of my suggestions was keep you know open bottles of vodka and uh, you know all over the house, because that's easy to start fires with. Okay, <laughs> she was you know, she was wondering what, what you know what what people would say when they came over. It's okay, Jason's not an alcoholic; he's just fighting monsters. That's true. Well, you just put it you know you just put it with uh with your with, with where you hide all the pornography and everything. That way, you know, you can go get it then. That's even so hidden, I wouldn't be able to find it. <laughs> when, you, when you have small children, you you got to be really careful with things. That's true, and that's what the Internet's for nowadays. I'm thinking back in the day when, you know, as as kids, you used to find, like, dirty magazines out in the woods for some reason. Uh, you know what, you did, uh, under bushes, I remember when yeah. uh, I was in sixth grade, we found a, a Playboy underneath a bush. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my house was great. My dad built a, a wooden magazine rack in our bathroom right next to the toilet. He was a farmer, so there were magazines like Today's Farmer and uh, and Today's Hog Farmer, things like that. And then there was a stack of penthouse. Nice. nice. Yeah. It was great growing up in that house. I'm sure there were some informative articles in there. 
Oh, oh, ab- absolutely, absolutely. I've, I've modeled my life around uh, Playboy or Penthouse letters. Now this brings me to something I had at the end of the notes, actually, but uh, but but we're getting we're getting personal here. This is like Oprah already, and uh, and I I asked you about this the first time we talked, but I don't really remember your answer, and I'm still really fascinated by it. But apparently, you were the mayor of a small town. Was this like a Jerry Gergich situation where you were just like name? In name only, the mayor, or did you actually have mayoral responsibilities other than you know show up at the at the cut the ribbon ceremony? Oh no, no, I was I was actually actually uh, a, a mayor of this town. We uh, there was a little bit of a, a lack of leadership. Um, not that I was really paying attention, but I had a number of people come up to me and like, Jason, please run for mayor, run for. It. And I'm like, oh, okay, that'd be cool. And there were a couple of city council positions open too, so. A couple of my buddies, uh, uh, well, a couple of my beer drinking buddies, and I all ran for office, uh, and we all won. And it was even a write-in ticket. And um, so, yeah, I was. Uh, we held meetings, made decisions. Uh, uh, I was uh, under my watch. I was responsible for getting uh, three quarters of a million dollars worth of grants to build a new uh, water tower. Our town really needed. Nice. And I was wasn't smart enough to embezzle it and run 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 from the country. <laughs> but uh yeah, I did I, I did did mayor stuff. I did uh two terms actually. How old were you? Uh 30 maybe. Oh wow. Okay. See cuz I was imagining you as like one of those one of those teenage mayors, you know, those rare stories that come along where like a 20-year-old kid is uh is elected mayor. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, all, and, and those are always accompanied with stories like, "Let's spend the entire city's budget on a swimming pool pool filled with Jello." Yeah, yeah. It'll be the Jello Park, and we'll, you know, we'll make millions. All right. Yeah. So you see, no, no, no. I was, is it, I, I was, I was, a, I was, a, I was grown up at that point. Is there a portrait of you in the town hall? I have no idea. I'd like to go back and see. Probably not. You, yeah, yeah dude. Of, if I was the mayor of a small town, I would be back there like like the people who won't leave high school. You know, I'd be like, I used to be the mayor of this town. I drink for free, sir. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should probably go. Should probably go visit if if that's definitely the case. Yeah, exercise yeah. some of that some of that clout. Yeah, the big uh, the, the biggest issue that I had uh, getting elected mayor is I told you a couple of my buddies got elected to the city council. Uh, it was a five member board, and the biggest problem was if three of us were together in a in a room, that was a quorum, meaning we could do city business, meaning we had to um, post it as an official city meeting meeting, which means we couldn't hang out and watch football together on the weekends anymore. How weird. Yeah, because we could have been discussing city business uh, and you know voting on it at that at that point, and that would have been highly illegal. Weird. So so yeah, okay. So you couldn't just like all meet up at a bar. Uh, so if you guys all went out to a bar for dinner or something, you would even have to be like, yeah, you have to tell people that. Yeah, we we would. That's weird. It makes yeah, sense, I, mean, it, I guess, but it's kind of like, geez. Well, because usually people who you know who are on the on the councils together don't like each other and don't hang out. <laughs> It was, it was only a problem for us. All right. Interesting. Interesting. I'm fascinated by your life in city government. So, 
Well, I it was it was it was, it was a small town. So yeah. I got well, and here's when I'm when I'm talking to my reporting students. Here's one of one of my favorite stories to talk to them about the importance of city council meetings because in my small town, every single uh, council meeting, which was uh, which was once a, once a month, uh, there was a group of ladies who showed up and complained about barking dogs. Yeah. Okay. Legally, I couldn't go out and shoot them. Which, when I was a kid, the mayor did. Oh wow! Which is a great way to get rid of rid of barking dogs. But anyway, so my small town had that issue, and as a reporter, I, I was covering the Kansas City City Council meetings. So the city of Kansas City, Missouri, the very first city council meeting I went to, um, all nice and formal, and the very first thing people came up uh, and talked about was they bitched about barking dogs. So this is a problem everywhere where people live. Hmm. Yeah. It certainly is. It's here. I have that problem here too. I don't know what it is, but dogs. Maybe we're, maybe it's just maybe I'm just getting old. You know, you know, until you're getting older, it's like those sounds that only teenagers can hear. Damn it, kids, get off my lawn! <laughs> yeah, when you're younger, it's like that's a sound that 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 brings joy or something. But when you're older, you're like, ah, oh, fucking dogs. So. Uh, we haven't had you on in a while. There's a lot of different stuff we could talk about in the paranormal world. Is there anything that's piqued your interest uh, before I sort of look at some of these these sparse notes I put together? Well, I'm I'm always uh, up for uh, up for good good conspiracy and uh, the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370. I thought you know the whole disappearance and clusterfuck that that was um, was. Was 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 fascinating fodder for for uh, conspiracy theories, and then the conspiracy world disappointed me because after about a month or so, they stopped spouting conspiracy theories. Really? Yeah, because because I was hearing all sorts of things like you know the the pilot had uh, everything planned. He's in Russia, right? He landed in Kazakhstan or some some place like that, or uh, you know he 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 doubled back. They repainted the uh, the airplane and uh, relocated everybody and. They're all in Siberia now, uh, and then uh, those disappeared. Well, we, yeah, we still have a guy out there touting the fact that he's certain that Stephen King killed uh, uh, John Lennon, and we, we we're already petered out on Malaysian Flight 370. Ah, uh, yeah, I heard, I heard, I've heard of that guy you're talking about. Yeah, he's a he's a character. I should get him on the show sometime. I don't know if I could handle it though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh, there's a great YouTube video of him in some city in Florida with uh, with, with with handmade uh, signs on poster board. He probably picked up at Walmart, talking about you know, you know showing his evidence that Stephen King killed John Lennon. And one of the councilmen's like, "Stephen King lives in Maine, sir. What do you expect us to do about it?" Yeah, yeah. I, I remember he used to call into Coast to Coast all the time, like when they'd open up the the callers, and he would start with some other point, you know, related to the guest, and then he would. Somehow meandered it around to his theory. It was almost like it was artful in a way, where you're like, because you didn't know at first. You're like, oh, I, that guy sounds kind of familiar. I don't, you know, you don't really pay attention. Then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, it's that guy. That guy. Oh. Yeah, that's like conspiracy theories. Maybe my favorite. Some of some of my uh, favorite guests you've had on are the uh, the uh, Elvis is alive guy and the Michael Jackson's alive guy or lady, wasn't it? Oh yeah, that's Pearl Jr. Yeah. 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 Yes, the death. I like death hoaxes. I think they're awesome. I I I, I should like like to look more into them. I'm sure there are actual like better real death hoaxes. That, There's that, an Andy Kaufman one out there. Yeah, I know. I've heard that one. That one's one of the few I actually kind of 
I kind of like whatever consider possible just because he's such a weird performance artist. Oh yeah, this this guy would he'd like have a refrigerator box on a street in Chicago and there was uh he'd had a he had a sign, uh you know, hand drawn sign on the front, open up flap to see a celebrity and there's a little flap he'd cut in and they'd lift it up and he'd be sitting in a box. Yeah. Just Andy Kaufman in a box on the street corner. They'd like slip a dollar into him. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah, if anybody would pull something like that and get away with it, you know, and on his deathbed say, <laughs> I fooled you all. Yeah, it'd be Andy Kaufman. Oh, my God. It's the guy in the chat room here, uh, Jim Lydica. He says he uh, actually had a beer with Jim Morrison. True story. Wow, that's amazing. Right. Yeah. I'll tell him he should call in sometime. Nah, maybe I won't say that yet. Let's... <laughs> Next thing you know, I've got <laughs> it's devolved into total free for all. Jim, call in if it gets slow here, and we'll and we'll hear this story because I I'm amazed by that. <laughs> How did we? Oh, MH370. So I don't know. I feel like it. What are it, we still talking about that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to have a thread at least throughout all this. Um, I don't know. I agree with you in a way, but it feels like it's settled on a certain number of different. Uh, Oh geez, now Jim says he was kidding, but he supposed he could make something up. Well, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I. Put, I'm glad I hit the brakes on him calling in now because we would have been duped. Jim. Well, Jack shame. is. I mean, because I, I was kind of wondering there, uh, begin begin with how old this guy was because when did Morrison die? Was it late 60s, early 70s? Yeah, they're about 71, I think. Well, yeah. yeah, that's that's yeah. How old is this guy? Uh he's apparently not old enough for that to have happened, uh, or maybe he was. But anyway, he's. He's caused all kinds of trouble. Uh, <laughs> MH370. I think I see why it panned out that way, though. It petered out because it was like there's no, there's only so much you can do with the information you have. Did you hear the one about uh, about how like the dude he he sent a picture? Somebody emailed this to me. I had heard it before. They they uh, but they were sort of pushing it because I mentioned how how I was talking about all this on the year in review. But some dude took a picture. Uh, allegedly, fr- he like smuggled his phone up his ass or some something like that. I apologize, folks, but that's the story. Uh, I hope it wasn't an iPhone six. Those things are huge. I think it was the iPhone five, but I'm not. <laughs> I don't know. But th- this is true. Like you can like look it up. And uh, well, it's not true. I don't know if the story is true, but this <laughs> that it's out there is true. Uh, so he he apparently smuggled the phone and took a picture, and it's just like all black. Um, well, of course, because he didn't have a wet napkin. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it was all smudgy. Um, so, so, and, and then they claimed that they like looked at the EXIF data, and it was for that island that everyone thinks that they took the plane to. Um, not the one from Lost, but uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about, though. The Diego Garcia, I think is the name of it. Diego Garcia. All right, well, you, you can never trust anybody who smuggles a, t- a phone up their ass. Well, that's true. That's true. I suppose. I don't know. I don't know. Now, I, now that I think about it, I think those might be the most trustworthy people because they're willing to go to great lengths for some reason. Right. Well, it's colonoscopies are expensive. <laughs> yeah. Well, that. Yeah. Exactly. You, I don't want Let's someone get up there and get some pictures. Yeah. I don't want. Yeah. That's. Can you imagine the proctologist? <laughs> the person comes in. They're like. They're like. I couldn't afford the colonoscopy, but I hit record and shoved it up my ass, and here's <laughs> here's what I've got. So, doctor, what do you think? Jesus. Well, we're going to have to remove some polyps here. Let's shove some razor blades up there. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, my God. So you that's people seem to have settled on that theory for the whole thing, at least uh, people in the 
in the extreme conspiracy realm. But I get what you're saying. Like, well, and here's here's something that I want to see uh, uh, a conspiracy on is that I read uh, uh, a news story today and a Malaysian Malaysia three seventy like a cocktail airline cocktail napkin or something has washed up on an Australian beach. I seriously doubt a cocktail napkin is going to uh, survive, one, the crash, two, floating for an entire year on the ocean to wash up on a beach. Right. Who, where did you see this story? Like on Facebook? Uh, no, God, God, no. I don't even trust people's status updates on Facebook. <laughs> you're, you look at them and you're like, she's not happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, she, she's miserable. She's putting on a great show. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was on. It was on CNN, uh, Fox, MSNBC. You know, my my general uh, suggestion to everybody who's interested in the story is go to every single site that has the the, the story because uh, if if some of the facts are the same, then maybe the story is true. Uh, I guess, but couldn't someone have just taken the flight, a different flight from that airline in the past year, like from Australia and? You know, throw the throw the napkin at the beach for a larf. That's what I oh, figure probably happened. Yeah, or they've just got uh, like my mom used to be and had, you know, Sonic and McDonald's napkins shoved into the into the into the glove compartment just in case we needed them. Exactly. Oh, honey, I just I got mustard on my shirt. I'll just go up to the car and get some napkins out of the glove box. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good 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 idea. Yeah, maybe. Do you, what do you think's going to happen? Do you think we'll ever find out, or do you think it's just going to turn out to be one of those one of those? It'll, I mean, if we ever find anything out, it'll be the mundane answer. You know what I mean? They're not going to be like, turns out they they hijacked that plane and landed it at a secret military base. Like they're never going to say that. So the well, only way no, we'll ever find out what happened is if they're like, oh, we found it in the ocean. Well, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. We found it in in the ocean. Uh, um, but that's the great thing about conspiracy theorists is they're not going to believe it. Oh, I stuck another plane in there. Another another plane of that of that same make. That was it. It wasn't 370. 370's been used for nefarious reasons. Nowadays they could be like, that's all CGI animated. They they that's the video of that plane underwater is fake. You know? So what can you trust nowadays, Jason? What Nothing, and this is this is one uh, thing that I've I've gotten, you know, some people ticked at me when they've, well, because I've spoken at, at uh, some paranormal conferences, and and people are showing all this, I'm putting air quotes up, evidence of uh, of UFOs and of, and of Bigfoot and, and all this other paranormal phenomena, and they're like, this is definitive proof, and I'm, uh, I've talked talked to them, and I've been like, no, I don't really care if it's 100% authentic. Because it's a photograph, because it's a video, nobody's going to believe you. Right. This doesn't count. Exactly. They people need yeah. People need to move on from the idea that like footage and, and pictures are gonna help the cause of proving any of this stuff. Because all it does is it really just it just feeds both sides of the thing, you know. The people who scoff at this are gonna scoff at the video no matter how amazing it is, you know. Right, which which the the thing is is the video is probably the real video is not going to be amazing. It's going to look like shit. And then they'll even scoff at that. They'll be like, right. "Oh, this is a bush. What's he doing?" You know. Yeah. So you can't win with that stuff. Well, you mentioned I'm t- you're talking about an article you wrote, uh, the sad truth behind paranormal investigation. I agree with you on that. There's there's no there's really no uh, 
there's no getting around it if you really want to get to the end of the day on these cases. You have to have a UFO or an alien or a Bigfoot. Do you stand with the – do you think that they should kill the Bigfoot then? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do. I mean, if, if we want to definitively find out, if we want to find out, you've got to have the body. Because all of this, I mean, the DNA evidence, you know, from the blood and the hair samples, if this is actually real and people have had, um, you know, inconclusive, this is some sort of a, you know, uh, you know, human-like DNA, well, what is it? I, we, we don't know and you're never going to find out. You're not going to have any scientist off of a hair sample or blood sample say, you know, this is from a Bigfoot. I mean, you're going to have some, but mainstream science won't see that. You've got to have a body laying on a slab in front of you. So, I mean, yeah, kill one. Uh, unless we're going to equip all hunters with, with dart guns. Oh, like uh, like like knockout, you know? like they, Yeah, you know, like, yeah, like they did with Homer Simpson when they thought he was a Bigfoot uh, in like the first year of the Simpsons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm really not big on killing things unless you're going to eat it. So, you know, if, if Bigfoot is uh, an, an intelligent uh, animal, which, uh, you know, all the evidence seems to point toward, you know, I'd, I'd be loath to kill one, but if we really want to find out, it's either that or capture one. And capturing one, I think, is going to be really hard. I mean, we can't even take pic- decent pictures of him, so how are we going to capture one? I'll throw a great conspiracy theory at you. The, the, the super rich, the 1%, when they go to, like, Bohemian Grove and stuff like that to plan how they're going to manipulate the world, they dine on Bigfoot. They may. They may have an own, their own personal zoo with, you know, Bigfoot and a thylacine and the chupacabra. Maybe even Cthulhu's in there. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what are we going to tonight for, you know, what's the big meal this year? It's Bigfoot. What? It's nice. Bigfoot. Yeah, we've got Ogopogo for dessert. <laughs> um. Yeah, I see where you're coming from on the kill Bigfoot thing. I've been I've been pro kill Bigfoot for a long time, actually. As 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 uh, distasteful as some may find the idea. Although I also I think I don't know if I said this to you or someone else, but I reserve the right to immediately do a 180 after someone else kills Bigfoot, and you know chastise them for doing so. Oh well, as soon as somebody kills one, we're done. We don't have to kill anymore. Is yeah, that's science- I, absolutely. I agree with that. That would be a great thing that, that happened. Right, and you know, I've been listen- I've been doing a lot of listening to different programs and a lot of reading, um, because we've got one one camp that's you know Bigfoot is a North American ape, and then we've got another camp that's uh, Bigfoot's you know a different type of human. Um, oh, why is his name escaping me? You did a, uh, you interviewed him? I listened to that interview at least seven times. Uh, God, you had him for on for an hour. The hell, David Polito? Uh, yes, missing four one one. David, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, listening to him, he's in the camp that this thing is is human, and if if it's human, yeah, I'd really hate to kill the thing. But uh, again, what, what do you want to do? Find out or not? Yeah, this doesn't see. Yeah, they don't have, seem to have the ability to capture it. I don't understand. Is he, are people even trying? They need to move past the whole idea of photographing it and stuff, and and focus in on the capture first, and then maybe kill if they have to. But it doesn't seem like anyone's even trying to capture much less the kill. So. Right, yeah, the, the, either either one of those is necessary. I mean, I was interviewing a, a a Bigfoot hunter, I'm putting again the air quotes up, who's like, yes, and I've got Bigfoot scat. Okay, good for you. I love walking through the woods and picking up poop. That is <laughs> yeah. amazing. 
Yeah. No, and and, and the, one of the, the lines in the article that I used is, yeah, you're not a Bigfoot investigator You're if you're out in the woods. You're just a hiker because you're not willing to kill the goddamn thing. Yeah, Bigfoot hunter. You can't be a Bigfoot hunter if you're not if you're not actually hunting it. So, right. It would be it would stir up a mix of emotions if someone killed Bigfoot, but uh it would be a great story. I, you can agree with me on that. And I cheer for the story, so I cheer for someone to kill Bigfoot. As long as Tom Biscardi isn't in the story. Who? Tom oh, Tom Biscardi, yeah. Tom Biscardi, yeah. As long as he's not in the story, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, that guy's trouble. That guy's trouble. I remember when they had that big uh, press conference, though. It was awesome. At first. Uh, which one? The, the the Bigfoot in the freezer? Yeah, the original one, where it was like actually on CNN or something like that. And you're like, oh, my yeah. God. And, the, and, you know, and the crawl at the bottom's like, Bigfoot killed. Where, like, man finds Bigfoot body. It was like, holy shit, man. Did the world just change? Then it was like, nah, nah, he's lying. Yeah, and that's, 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 that's the, the, one of the problems is now is, is it's even more of a joke um, to, the, to the mainstream, you know, because, because of hoaxes like that. You know, and whenever somebody does kill one, you know, is CNN going to bite on it this time? Uh, it's maybe. Complete service. Maybe. You don't see too, uh, you don't, strangely enough, you don't see too many people claiming to have killed one. Uh, I think that guy who was mixed up in that original one was doing all kinds of other problem, problematic stuff like taking an alleged dead Bigfoot on tour with him and stuff and he got a lot of publicity still so who knows uh, I don't know I'm all for I'm all for 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 killing anything like uh there's been lots of reports of uh of pterodactyls seen in like Texas and uh in Mexico yes it'd be a living dinosaur but put a bullet in that thing <laughs> let's 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 you know reel it in I want to see one put it on tour there you go. Results-based expectations, just like just like we have on this show. Results. Well, based. and it's one one of the one of the reasons that you know I'm really really behind all of this is the fact that um, I working at a university, teaching at a university, and I get the, get the chance to to hang out with with lots of interesting people, and some of those that I hang out with are, are scientists, and they're they a couple of scientists, uh, friends of mine, are really big into the paranormal but they're like we got to be the ones to prove it because nobody's going to believe you guys so we need to to you know use the scientific method to decide something which is you know hence the body or the or or the extraterrestrial craft i mean that's what it's going to take ghosts i don't think scientifically are ever going to be proven because you have to be able to you know not just prove something once you've got to repeat it repeatability is important and ghosts aren't just going to hang around in a room and let you, you know, prod them with sensors. Yeah, yeah. What if a ghost, like, got somehow was a... There's all these stories where people, like, you know, have ongoing communication with a ghost. So you're saying that if you couldn't produce that in the lab, you don't think it would... I guess, I mean, what's proof? But you know what I mean? I feel like that would be pretty good. Well, yeah, that would be pretty good, but uh, I mean, as as for proof, yeah, I I, I don't think so. I mean, you got to have the, the the Ghostbusters containment system mm. in, in order in order to have proof. And yeah. it's not that, and, and I sound like a real uh, you know a real hard ass about about this, but uh, I mean, I, I really seriously think, uh, especially with like like Bigfoot and 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 ghosts, is these things have been reported from for you know time forgotten from every. Uh, every civilization on the planet, mm-hmm. okay, 
these have been, I mean, b- before, you know, before our, you know, the transatlantic cable was run back in the 1860s, we couldn't even really talk to each other very well, you know, across continents. Um, there's got to be something to it. You know, if somebody in, New, in, in Papua New Guinea is reporting, you know, the ghost of their ancestors, and, you know, somebody in, in Siberia is reporting the same thing, you know, for thousands of years, I mean, there's got to be something to it. Exactly. The problem is, how do you figure out how to deal with it? How to, how to, how do you, you know, if we're at the end of the day, we talk about proving it. How do you prove it? It's very difficult. Well, the weird part is too. It's it, the the phenomena. Both both ghosts and Bigfoot have a huge jump start. We haven't even really tried to start proving it until like, you know, the last few decades. I mean, I don't think. I mean, I'm sure. I, I'd be interested to know. Actually, that's probably a better way to put it. If there were people trying to figure out ghosts like uh, throughout all of history, but as far as I know, this is like the most <laughs> people that have been investigating ghosts ever. Uh, you know, but it still has a huge jump start on us from the beginning of civilization. So it's a very, you know, we're coming in late is the to the phenomenon, and we're coming in with like replacement level players. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, people who, uh, yeah, they, yeah, they're, 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 you know, plumbers and and construction workers and 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 things of that nature. Yeah, you know, they're 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 not scientists delving into it. And I mean, it's not like like the old days. Let's let's go back to killing things. Uh, Audubon, the 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 bird, uh, you know, the guy who cataloged all those birds and made all those paintings of birds. Yeah. Um, he did. He made the paintings of these birds extremely detailed because he killed them first. Oh wow! He just didn't go out and. Obs- I mean, he's, he's this big conservationist, but you know, I need to get a good picture of this. You know, I need to get this bird to stand still so I can paint it. So let me shoot it first. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, back in the day, they weren't really worried about you know, uh, worried about about killing things and and uh, you know, whenever in, in, in England, I mean, when England, uh, the British Empire, when they control controlled a quarter of the entire planet, they. You know, made a lot of scientific discoveries, a lot of zoological discoveries, and they did it by killing animals and bringing them back to England. Yeah. I remember reading something about the duck-billed platypus, and and they, you know, initially thought it was a joke that somebody had, you know, stitched together a, you know, a duck and a beaver and you know a few other things until they, you know, really dug into it and found out that it, you know, was just one animal. Yeah. Jason Offit's making the case for killing Bigfoot tonight on Banal yes, of America. I like it. I like it. Now, what about, do you want to kill robots? Because you wrote a, <laughs> what a segue, you like that? What yep. about robots? Because you wrote about robots being a growing threat to human existence, which I agree uh, is, is troubling, but I think in a more subversive sort of way. But uh, I don't know if this was like tongue-in-cheek or what. Do you think, where's the danger in robots? Well, it, it really depends, and there have been oh, there have been some scientists who've come out and said we really have to worry about artificial intelligence. If it's just robots, um, you know, co- competing, you know, McDonald's needs to make a dollar. So if they're going to start having to pay, you know, fifteen dollars, fifteen dollars an hour to their minimum minimum wage employees, they're going to replace them with robots. Hmm. Okay, those ro- robots are only uh, only dangerous to uh, to people who work at McDonald's. So I don't really have a problem with those. It's it's whenever robots get sentience. It's when when they uh, um, start thinking for themselves. Um, I'm really pessimistic. I don't trust a lot of things, and um, you know I, I really have always enjoyed the science fiction where robots 
were given a lot of control, then they decided, you know, this world would be a lot better, better off without people. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know what directions. You'd like to think that humans are so selfish that they'll make sure to safeguard against that. But they're also kind of moronic. It's, it's, I, I think it might just go more in the direction of that we, we end up like losing our own humanity by melding more with technology. It's already kind of happening in that way. Uh, well, yeah, the transhumanism. Yeah, I mean, that very well could happen. We'll all be the Borg mm. uh, in about a century. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, because you said something about people uh, being stupid. <laughs> about I've said that many things. times on, <laughs> on this okay. program or in previous ones. <laughs> well, no, it, well, you said it in this this one, uh, and well, okay, let's go back to previous ones. But we don't don't really think things out. I mean, if if we did, you know, Australia wouldn't have had the problem with the cane toads or the rabbits. Um, we wouldn't have kudzu growing over the entire south uh, southeast of the United States. What's kudzu? Uh, some, Kudzu, it's a it's a Japanese uh, plant. It was uh, transplanted over here. I don't remember exactly the reason, but there was a reason, and it grew so fast it's just out of control in areas. Weird. And we really can't do anything about it. Um, well, okay, I just read something. Scientists have um, genetically engineered mosquitoes, and they are going to release them on an island that has. It's not populated, but there's a big, you know, by people, but there's a big mosquito population. And what their hope is that these gen- genetically engineered mosquitoes will kill the indigenous mosquito population. So they would, you know, be used as, you know, mos- you know, a way to keep mosquitoes under control. Yeah. You know, on the surface, that sounds great. But underneath, to me, it sounds like a recipe for, you know, <laughs> global disaster. Hmm. Yeah, and that's just one, that's just like the tip of the iceberg, you know. You talk about these, like, genetically modified foods and stuff. I heard, I heard stories, like, where they try to sue other farmers because uh, the, the wind blows their genetically modified seeds into the farmer's field. And, you know, they're like, you got to pay for that now? And the farmer's like, what are you talking about? And it gets very contentious. So there's definitely, there's definitely an undercurrent of uh, tinkering that could, that could go awry. Right and yeah the whole yeah the whole uh, gen- genetically modified you know food um, yeah Monsanto is going to kill us all them and the robots. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's it, it'll be interesting on our deathbeds to look back and find out what it was that <laughs> it actually killed us. <laughs> of all the different things, yeah, you know, I, I, I hope that I will look up you know from the pavement maybe and be like, oh, it was aliens. Yeah. Uh, what's probably going to happen to most of us is we're going to look up from the pavement and go, God, I bet the guy who just killed me is from Florida. <laughs> yeah, so why did I go to Florida? Yeah. Yeah. That's a strange yeah. place down there. That's a that's an interesting place. I'd like to get out and check it out, but I, it's like a whole other country. Yeah, everything. I mean, there's even uh, uh, a guy on Twitter or a, a feed on Twitter that's called uh, a Florida man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, they, they, I mean, any any uh, newspaper headline that's got a Florida man in it, boom, it's on there. Hmm. Uh, what do you think of these uh, these Slender Man stabbings that happened? Uh, they happened last year at some point. Uh, I think they're just going to trial now. Yeah, because I saw the I saw the little girl's journal and it was it was horrifying. I don't know if you've seen that, but uh, I did not read the journal. I wrote a piece on it when it first happened, yeah. and I mean that was absolutely terrifying enough. I mean, I mean Slender Man is. You know, it's it's made up. 
it did it's cre- creepypasta.com i mean it was yeah. a, a joke on that and it kind of gained uh, a life of its own and and i believe the you know one of these girls um uh i'm sure the the listeners you know probably re- remember this if not there were what were they 12 years old 13 years old something like yeah, that yeah thereabouts thereabouts yeah and they i guess were like not happy with their home life and school and they wanted to go into this national forest where slenderman's mansion was and live with him and in order to please him they had to kill somebody and they set up an idea and they worked it for months a friend of theirs um close friend must have been <laughs> yeah i was uh, gonna say in, in air quotes yeah <laughs> yeah they um uh, we're going to kill her in December and chickened out. And then they invited her over for a sleepover, and she came over, and they ended up stabbing her in a park when they were playing hide-and-seek. You know, anybody innocent enough to play hide-and-seek doesn't stab somebody with a six-inch knife. Yeah. And they ran off back home, and, and the girl, fortunately, was found alive and, and was taken to the hospital. I, I don't know if she's – I'm assuming she's still alive, but – Yeah, she's she's okay, yeah. Well, not okay, but she's alive. She, yeah, I mean, it's um, – <laughs> what did you do when you were twelve? Oh, I got almost yeah. stabbed to death by a couple yeah. of close friends. I realized, <laughs> I realized after I said she was fine that that she's still recovering from being stabbed all those times. So she's not yeah. fine. She's she's probably all fucked up, quite probably honestly, and, and it's terrible. Um, and well, the it, problem is that that's not the only one. Yeah, there, there was another, another one. Yeah, yeah. So I mean I with 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 me this sort of thing has really nothing to do with with Slenderman. It's just like I mean it's just just like Columbine. It that was blamed on uh, I, I, uh, rap music. It was blamed on it like was blamed on Marilyn Manson music. Yeah. The Matrix. It was blamed on uh, uh, violent video games. I think the the kids who you know, Clee Bolton. What's his name? Harris. No. What whatever they. Uh, uh, they played the video game Doom. Okay, that they blamed it on that. Um, what really is the problem here, in my my opinion, is parents. You know, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. The Columbine yeah. guys. I mean, what what kind of messed up parents don't know their kids have AK-47s and pipe bombs underneath their bed? Yeah. Yeah, I, that's 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 where it comes in for me. And as long as <laughs> as long as my kids aren't that screwed up, I'm I'm happy. I agree with you there, man. Absolutely. I'm sometimes I'm glad I don't have kids because uh, it would be a nightmare. <laughs> why? Why? Yes, sometimes. <laughs> but then there's also all that joy involved too. So. Oh, that's yeah. Most of the, the joy is most of the time. Absolutely. Um, there, something else. Somebody. Uh, oh God, I don't remember. Somebody interviewed me about about Slender Man, and um, if you you know, want to delve into the into the paranormal aspects of it, is is the fact that. A lot of people have reported seeing Slender Man. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if this thing was made up by, by a website, you know, why are people seeing it? And, you know, if, if, you know, if, if all these evil entities are, are, are out there, I'm not saying Slender Man. I'm saying, you know, I'm saying demonic forces. I'm saying gin. I'm saying tricksters, all of this. If they're all out there, uh, you know, why couldn't they assume the, uh, you know, assume the, the shape? Of this Slenderman character, maybe these people actually are sl- seeing something that looks like Slenderman, and it's just uh, you know some some entity out there that's you know hey this looks pretty popular let me let me scare the shit out of some people. Yeah, yeah. Well, people. Jim Jim uh, Latica here says uh, he's the one who claimed he had a beer with Jim Morrison. Now he says he was only three uh, 
when Jim Morrison died, so we can clear that up for the uh, for the people with OCD in the audience. He's, he was only three, but he he suggests the same thing I was kind of thinking that that it's like a tulpa effect, that these kids just get so wrapped up in the whole thing, uh, and other people. I don't know though, because it seems like the people that see the Slender Man aren't people that are really into the Slender Man. You know what I mean? Well, right, but I mean, having you know read something about it, or I, I mean, you, you never can tell where the brain's going to go. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they could have just, you know, in, in passing, seen a picture of this thing on online, or you know, read a, read some headline about it, and and you know, it wormed into their wormed into their psyche. Yeah, but it's a, it's a long journey to go from like seeing the story online to thinking that he has a castle in a forest somewhere, like somewhere that girl really lost lost the plot, as they say. Oh yeah, I was just talking about uh, other sightings. Yeah, that girl, oh. it's seriously messed up. Oh yeah, and that's my I'm, I am a doctor, so that is my uh, that is my uh, opinion. <laughs> that's my yeah diagnosis. But I see what you're saying as far as like uh, that other people see things. We yeah, you can't really trust. That what you see is what you see because what you're seeing has its own sentience, presumably, and its own intelligence, so it can be messing with you, just like we mess with animals and stuff. What do you do with animals, Tim? You know, you play peekaboo with the cat or whatever. Okay. Jeez. I don't know. I was getting worried about the bunny. No, no, no. I don't have a cat, actually, but yeah. The bunny, you know, you let him out. You, you trick him into going back into his house when he when he won't go in. That kind of thing. Okay. So, so I don't know bunny games. All right. That's about that's about the extent of it. <laughs> they're not very uh he's not they're not very sociable type creatures, uh <laughs> you know, they won't fetch. Um yeah. So Slender Man, the whole thing is weird. The whole kids today, they're weird, you know, they're shooting things, they're God, now you do sound like an old man. I know. I know. Well, I'm becoming an old man. Yeah, you're uh, like what, thirty four? Thirty six now. Thirty six. Thirty six. Thirty six. Yeah. I, I probably about the same age when you were the mayor of that town. Yeah. I gotta get on it. the ball here. My yeah, town doesn't get... have a mayor though, so who knows? Yeah, it's when I'm when I'm lecturing in, in my mass media uh history class I I talk to the kids about all the stuff that Orson Welles did and one of the things that you know, one of the big things is he, he wrote produced, directed, and starred in uh, what is arguably the greatest motion picture ever done. And he was 24. And yeah. then I tell my students to get off their ass. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, I've I've seen it that way, too, at times. There's a lot like Bob Dylan never had a real job in his life. It's like, well, I've already failed if I want to have a life like Bob Dylan because I've had a regular <laughs> job, so I'm, 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 I'm screwed. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I lost, uh, where the hell was that thing? I was going to ask you about something else, but uh, we, we hit the Slender Man and the robots and the sad truth behind paranormal uh, investigation. Tell me about this exploring American monsters. That sounds like something we could uh, delve into. Well, yeah, it's a series that uh, that I actually just started a couple of weeks ago. Um, I Although I'm, I'm, I like almost every aspect of the paranormal. I mean, from from you know ghosts and 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 UFOs, uh, extraterrestrial encounters. I've always been fascinated with that stuff. But I've got a you know a, a soft spot for monsters. Um, I mean, as, as a kid, you know, watching Leonard Nimoy talk about Bigfoot on In Search of. I mean, that was the most fascinating thing that I could I could see. Um, so yeah, I, I've always liked that, and and 
anytime there's a, a you know some kind of monster story, I definitely read it. And you know, just doing some slight you know some slight research, I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of things, a lot of stories of monsters everywhere that a lot of people haven't heard of. Yeah. You know, we all we all you know hear about uh, hear about Bigfoot and uh, and, uh, and and Chupacabra and and you know we all know about the Jersey Devil and Mothman and I'm like okay in, in Jersey what else is there other than the Jersey Devil? It's got to be other stuff. Mm. You know the Dover Demon is is there anything there other than the Dover Demon? So I'm going state by state. I'm writing an article about each state about the lesser known monsters. And so far a, a number of those have to do with. Um, there are a couple of those. Couple of those have to do with, uh, you know, like teratorns. Uh, and you know, birds described as having you know wingspan, you know, longer than a you know than a Cessna. Weird. You know, huge, huge birds that uh, you know are equated with the uh, American Indian Thunderbird. There are also uh, you know lots of you know in Arizona a lot of uh, you know pterodactyl sightings. Uh, reportedly, there were some uh, some from the uh, mid 1800s. Uh, cowboys allegedly uh, killed one. It was in the Tombstone, uh, Tombstone, Arizona newspaper about cowboys killing this dragon, and the description was, you know, it was a it was a pterodactyl. You know, I'm not not beyond saying that these things are are, are you know have been extinct for 65 million years. There's got to be, you know, pockets where you know where you know some dinosaurs actually lived. I, I'm actually more hopeful than that than than you know logically thinking about that. Well, yeah, because if you have the access to fly, you might have more ability to survive uh, tough times on the planet because you can get the hell out of any area when things get rough. So. Well, right, right, and there's um, I mean there's legends about that in uh, you know Central and South America and uh, in Africa. Um, well, there have been just a number of dinosaur sightings in Africa, which has nothing to do with American monsters, but it has to do with... with <laughs> That's with, African dinosaurs. That's a whole Yeah, thing. with living living dinosaurs is, uh, uh, you know, people have, you know, we're talking to, talking to tribesmen in various areas about, um, you know, about, about things, and, you know, we're hearing stories of these monsters and hearing descriptions, and they would show the, the, the locals' pictures of like uh, you know pterodactyls and and uh, apatosaurus and they're like yeah that's it that's that's the monster so <laughs> I just got my fingers crossed we'll we'll you know you know be dining on brontosaurus burgers at one point would you bring back dinosaurs if you could Jurassic Park style if I could yeah why not I think that would be awesome what kid wouldn't pay to see a dinosaur yeah or I wouldn't I would one of the things that I'm I'm hoping actually happens which is actually feasible is uh, Russian and Japanese scientists are working on um, making uh, woolly mammoths, woolly rhinos, um, uh, saber-tooth really? tigers. Yeah, because I mean, those creatures that were frozen in the Arctic tundra were, I mean, they've extracted DNA out of them. I mean, the dinosaurs, 65 million years, can't do it. But something that's been frozen for 10,000 years They've been able to extract DNA, and they're, you know, pretty convinced that they've got the, you know, technology right now to, you know, to to clone these monsters. Hell, I'd love to see a mammoth. Yeah, I'm laughing because uh, <laughs> on my Facebook, this is like live instant feedback. Uh, Bernie says, "So I just tuned in, and you were talking about genetic modification, and I had to tune out. You guys are misinformed. Sigh." So, I don't know. I guess we don't know what we're talking about with genetic modification. 
Uh, well, and you that know, was a while I'm, ago now. I already forgot what we were saying. So. <laughs> oh, we were talking about genetically modified robots. I suppose. No, one, I don't even know. Yeah. You know, I I would like for uh, Bernie Mooney to to say that uh, you know what he means by that. Oh, there you go. That's what I want to know. No, while while we wait for Bernie to respond, tell me about this. <laughs> The Alabama Metal Man. What is this thing? Because there's a picture of it in your article here. I, I want to give credit to uh, MysteriousUniverse.org, uh, where Jason's writing these exploring American monster pieces. Uh, there's a picture of it on your on your post about Alabama. It's really weird. I don't, it's a terrible picture, but it, it, it looks like it looks like a negative or something. I don't know. It looks like a. It's just a really awful picture. Uh, but tell me about this, and tell me uh, maybe what the hell's going on with this picture. Well, this was. Uh... Back in the, I believe, I don't remember, back in, I think the 1960s, a um, uh, sheriff, a local sheriff in this small town, got a got a call from a, a distraught woman who said that uh, what looked like a spaceship had landed in a field. And he grabbed his trusty Polaroid camera and his flashlight and got in the car and went out there. And when he got there, he didn't see any ship, but there was a humanoid being in this field. And... It looked like it it was metal, uh, you know, not wrapped in aluminum foil. Um, uh, they had called it the tinfoil monster, and, and the sheriff specifically said it did not look like that. It looked like it was, you know, porn mold, uh, poured molded metal. And he snapped off a few pictures uh, with the Polaroid after he shined his police light on it, and the thing panicked and took off and ran. And he followed it in the field, and... A plowed field is bumpy as hell, and he could only get up to about 35 miles an hour. But still, if this was a person, he would have been able to catch up to it easily. Hmm. This thing quickly outdistanced him and disappeared into the distance. Weird, weird. Describe the picture for people, because I can barely do it justice. It looks like a photo. It looks like a photocopy of, of a, a of a really bad negative or something it's it's like there's no detail to it other than this vague sort of outline of of a human body. Well, and and that yeah, that's that is uh, that's that's exactly what it looks like, um, kind of like, like a negative. Because again, this was taken with uh, a freaking Polaroid. Yeah. And uh, it was in the dark. Uh, this guy had his police officer had his his light shining on it. So whatever the light was reflecting off of, it, it it's shining. So yeah, that's it. It, it does look like uh, look like a bad photocopy. Yeah. That that is a great uh, great ex- explanation. That goes to the whole idea we were talking about earlier about sort of this this paranormalness um, changing cloaking. It's it's what it is for whoever sees it. You know, it's like we don't have a whole bunch of these metal man reports. So what what is going on? Is this a really rare instance of a of a metal man alien that passed through and like it's the one in a million metal man to stop on Earth for a pit stop or or is something just in the area and was like. Oh crap! A person. Uh, what, you know, what, what should I look like for them quickly? Uh, metal, metal man. You know, don't know. Right. Well, I mean, and that sort of thing is um, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I, I, I think from reports throughout throughout the ages. Um, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard this before. I know you've probably had somebody on on talking about uh, you know using this exact. Uh, you know, exact example, but when you're looking at the UFO phenomenon, the uh, uh, 
you know, the, the and, and, and extraterrestrials, how they've looked and behaved, they've all mirrored the times. You know, back in uh, back in Europe, in uh, you know, Middle Ages, we had uh, uh, you know lights in the sky, and we had uh, elves and trolls that would, you know, you know have 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 sex with people and steal babies. You know, and then uh, this sort of thing, you know, changed. Look at uh, you know, look at the 1800s, the late 1800s, 18 uh, or 1896, 97, when uh, they had the airships. You know, what's the best technology we had right now for flying ships? Well, it was balloons. So they had their, uh, you know, uh, dirigible type, you know, UFOs. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then I mean, it's kind of progressed. They've just, you know, stayed one step ahead of us this, this whole time. Now we've got the, the, black tri- the hovering black triangles that will, you know, take off within a moment's notice and disappear. So, yeah, is it? An actual, uh, you know, something, that, you know, this is actually what it is, or is it just something that's changing itself for whoever sees it? I think it's the latter. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a really, uh, it's a really confounding alien species that's like, just barely. We're gonna, we're gonna eventually catch up to them, and we'll be like, what? You're barely, you're barely as advanced as we are. You just, you had airships too. What is yeah. going on? I thought you had some kind of advanced technology. Jeez. Oh man! Now uh, Jim Vuvovich in the—is uh, that how you say it? Vu- yeah, I guess it is. He asks uh, any news on shadow people, which is interesting because I was thinking about that today, uh, thinking about talking to you. It's like I don't know how you feel, but to me, it feels like shadow people is—and this is no diss on Jim, but uh, from a sociological level, it feels like shadow shadow people is like so nineties. Well, because that's when it, that's when you know people started talking about about shadow people. Um, and I still get, uh, you know, because I, I, you know, wrote wrote the book on it, Darkness right. Walks. Um, so I still get people who contact me quite often about their shadow people encounters. So I mean, this sort of thing still uh, has still, you know, people are still seeing these 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 you know blacker than night human shaped entities. But as for all the attention, uh, no, they're not getting. I mean, they're not getting them. Uh, the attention was '90s. Um, for the past uh, eight or nine years, the attention's been uh, been on black-eyed kids. Yeah. Um, right now, where's where's it going now? I was just going to ask you that. What are you What are you asking me for? I don't know. You're, you're you're the one who gets the stories. You hearing anything weird? You know, clowns, mimes. Oh God, don't do clowns. Clowns you know? scare the hell out of me. Clowns have always scared the hell out of me. I I, I know you've had. Um, uh, Lauren Coleman uh, on on yeah, and talked about the clowns. Number, yeah, talked about the clowns. Well, when I was a kid, um, that's when all this you know phantom clown stuff was going on, and and people were reporting phantom clowns uh, around the Kansas City, Missouri area, which is where I grew up, and there were reports of these phantom clowns in in white vans, hmm. and. We were all scared to death, all of the kids. Every time we saw a white van, we were expecting, you know, some John Wayne Gacy-looking son of a gun. You know, I almost cussed, but I stopped myself. It's all right. I think I've already sworn uh, earlier. And that whole conversation yeah, dropped... about the iPhones and the asses, I think we've, we've passed it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that's, that scared me to death. So, I mean, that's why I've got, uh, got a chapter on, on demonic clowns in my uh, How to Kill Monsters book. Because clowns are terrifying. Um, well, see, yeah, that's interesting. I, Do clowns have a weakness? A killer clown? Does that have a weakness other than it's just a human? You know, so it has human weaknesses, or is there any sort of supernatural uh, way to defeat one? 
Well, the clowns that I covered, I made a specific distinction uh, between demonic clowns and human clowns. Okay. The uh, human clowns are severely, uh, uh, seriously uh, misinformed people um, uh, and are, you know, always in danger of getting confused for, uh, you know, a demonic clown and having me beat their brains out with a garbage can lid. Like a juggalo. But, do, what, what? Like a juggalo. Oh, I thought you said gigolo. <laughs> that too. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, the the uh, the biggest weakness that that most demonic clowns have, or just the same weakness that regular clowns have, which is booze. Alcohol. So if you keep if you keep a lot of booze around, because yeah, I mean there, I did a lot of research on news stories, and there have been a whole lot of cases of, of people dressed as clowns, um, who either coming from or going to a, a kid's party, or you know just out about doing something, uh, have been just hammered. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah. Um, I don't know. Keep uh, you know, keep keep pie tins filled with concrete around the uh, around the house. No, oh. you know, clowns. Even a demonic clown cannot resist getting hit in the face with a pie. Jim Lodica has got a good one here. He says uh, banana peels on the ground. That is nice. Uh, that is nice. Uh, banana peels and rat traps. That's a really good way to protect your uh, to protect your house. Clowns. The whole clown thing. It, well, things happen and it sweeps the nation. That's why I'm glad the whole Slenderman thing didn't turn out to be more than more than uh, passing phase. Let's say, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. I haven't heard anything in 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 quite a while until the updates on the girls. And and well, uh, you know, about six, five, six years ago, there was uh, you know, a chupacabra uh, wave that oh, yeah. swept the media, and every single uh, mangy dog and coyote that was cap- that was found in the Southwest was automatically a chupacabra. Yeah, that was really weird. It was annoying, too, because it was like, that's not even what the chupacabra is supposed to look like. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Where, where are the wings and the you know the buggy red eyes and the spikes on the back? Yeah, I did not see that in the mangy coyote. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's just a dog, man. How do you not see dog in that? <laughs> it's very, very frustrating. Now, uh, Jim, uh, we said earlier he, he asked about the shadow people, but uh, we talked just now about how I feel, and we kind of agree that it's sort of like been overshadowed by the black-eyed kids and we we delved into that quite a bit uh every time we have you on the show but any news because it's been like a year and a half since i had you on the program any any good stories you've gotten any news any thoughts any theories you know surrounding the black-eyed kids no i actually no i mean this is gonna I'm, this is gonna be a horribly boring answer to your question but i've, <laughs> I've got absolutely nothing and and I mean, I've gotten a few uh, a few emails from people since then, but uh, uh, I generally just respond with, "I don't do anything about black-eyed kids anymore." Ah, all right. So you've turned your back on the black-eyed kids. I've, I've turned my back on them. Nice. And, and I know I've I've told you this because I before David Weatherly uh, uh, did his book, I was seriously considering it. And my my wife convinced me uh, for our uh, at-home bliss not to write one because. You know, she said, of everything that you write about, this is the one that scares the hell out of me. And if they ever come to my door, it's your ass. Yeah. So She'll be uh, like, come on in. I want you to meet my husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I'll get my husband. Just stay right here. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I've 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 kind of kind of kind of stepped away with away from that. I, you know, I I kind of stepped away from the whole paranormal thing in general, and I'm just generally touching on. Um, the stuff that interests me whenever I do delve in, which are, you know, you know, cryptozoology and, and uh, you know, I, I love time travel. Love mm-hmm. a good time travel story. And, again, conspiracy theories. Anytime I can find a good one of those, I'll, I'll, I'll read, read into it. 
I like most conspiracy theories. I just get turned off by the ones that just go right to, like, government New World Order type stuff, because then it's like, well, you can't go anywhere with that. Well, there's a great one. Um, there's, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I can look it up for you. But there's a guy who's uh, who's convinced that uh, it's not the Titanic at the bottom of the ocean. Wow. See, that's good. I like that. Uh, oh. It's its sister ship, the Olympic, because there were three ships of that model built, and the Titanic is the one that got the press. The Olympic had been r- running um, – you know, for a couple of years before the Titanic launch, and the Titanic before its launch got hit and damaged. Yeah. And they couldn't get. Was it the Titanic? No, it was the Olympic that got it. Anyway, one of the one of the ways, it wasn't the government that was involved with the with with the conspiracy theory. It was the fact that the company who owned it uh, wasn't going to get insurance on one of the ships, so they sank the other one. Okay, so it was sank on purpose, though. There's just a sort of a switcheroo of the ships. Like, the people are really dead in there, right? They're not, uh, they, they weren't herded into some other place and hidden or anything like that. No, they were, they were supposed to be, according to this guy. They were supposed to be herded uh, after the, because uh, they, he, according to the conspiracy theory, they, they deliberately took the Olympic with a, a new Titanic nameplate on it into an ice field to sink it. Jesus. But they didn't want anybody to know, so it was filled with passengers. Uh, but they had ships standing by to rescue everybody. And what? They didn't want they didn't want anybody to die. But then there was a whole you know cluster F and and uh, you know every, everything everything that could go wrong did go wrong. On the ships, what happened? They couldn't get to these people, I guess. They were. Uh, I, I, yeah, I feel like I should. I, I, I'm putting you on the spot to like explain this theory, so. <laughs> Yeah. I don't mean to do that. I'm just saying this is a good one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just just a, a whole lot of miscommunication, and and, and the yeah. ships couldn't get to the Titanic in time. It is a good one. Who comes up with these things? Crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. If I if I had the wherewithal, I would invent a conspiracy theory, but it takes a lot of effort to try and <laughs> promulgate it. Well, and to make it to make it plausible, these hmm. things have got to be plausible. It's like the whole. It's like the whole the whole Stephen King thing with. Uh, uh, I'm leaving the guy's name out. Uh, the, the assassin, um, John Lennon, John, the guy who killed John Lennon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, it'll come to me in a minute. I know the guy's name. Let's but, poor uh, guy. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah the, the 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 this this guy's main uh, the conspiracy theorist's main main thrust is that he looks just like Stephen King. So it was Stephen King. You know, looking at the two guys' picture, the only thing in similar is they're male yeah. and they wore glasses. Right. It's uh it's Steve Lightfoot is this guy's name. Is the guy, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to all right. We're <laughs> it's going on the bookmarks. Maybe yeah. we maybe we will get this guy on the show, uh, to talk about all that, because that is really an extreme conspiracy theory. I'd like to know how he how he abides by that. You know what I mean? Must be tough every day going through life, uh, trying to tell people about this. Yeah, well, I mean, he, I mean, listening to the guy, he seems convinced, so he's doing the right and righteous thing. Yeah, yeah, more power to him as long as he's not hurting anybody. Uh, but he seems, I don't know. I, I have to look at the evidence. I'll have to look at the evidence, folks. I, I don't know. I would hate to. <laughs> that's mean, but I would hate to look at the evidence and come out and be like, he definitely, Stephen King definitely killed John Lennon. <laughs> well, he like, might convince you. Yeah, he might swing you that way. That's true. Well, there's a danger to that, but we'll, we may have to forge those waters. 
I'll no, blame you. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll take the blame. I got I got wide shoulders here. Yeah, you just have to. If that actually happens, Tim, you got to realize that King is, is a Sox fan. Are you ready to throw a Sox fan under the bus? That's true. That's true. Well, I don't know. That'll keep me grounded. That'll be like my uh, what's the, what's that thing when uh, with Penny and uh, the Australian guy on Lost. That's my constant. That'll be my constant. Yeah. Okay. Oh God. Yeah. Hi there. Do you have any books on how to get rid of ghosts? Have you tried telling them you're ready for a commitment? <laughs> you're listening to Banal of America Audio. Oh, like a relationship. Exactly. That'll send them running, huh? <laughs> I like her. <laughs> uh, here you go. Maybe this will help. I got to give you credit. I was saying on the end of the last show, I went to that haunted brewery in Georgia. So uh, that was all you. Thank you for recommending it. Oh, and yeah, you're you're welcome. Yeah, I heard uh, heard the thanks at the at the tail end of your last show. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, how uh, how was it? It was good. The food was great. You really had there wasn't any sort of like uh, you had to go with if you were going to go and get the ghostly experience. You had to go with like the ghost tour people. Savannah's a really interesting place. You ever been there? Uh, no, no. I just I had read about it, and I'm like, hey, because I've not I've not been to I've not been there before. So uh, you'd you know, like it a lot, I think. Yeah, I think you'd like it a lot. They say it's the most haunted city in the South, um, and there's like a million ghost tours to the point where I didn't actually go on a ghost tour because there was too many to choose from, and it was like, oh, I don't really, I don't want to, I don't want to. <laughs> I was kind of. How it all came down to, like, every night. It's like, oh, I don't want to walk around for 90 minutes and hear. Because you don't know if you're going to get a good one or a bad one. And to me, it was, I'm too cynical at this point. But I did go to the haunted uh, brewery, which was, uh, what's it called here? I don't even have it in front of me. But it's uh, Moon River, Moon River Brewery. And apparently they, they, they've had a ghost show there or something like that. Yeah, I like haunted breweries. There's one in uh, one close to, uh, close to where I'm sitting right now, about 45 minutes away in Weston, Missouri, and uh, there's some nice ghost stories there. And the best part about it is there's uh, you know all sorts of free samples at the end. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. But I did yeah. go into the basement where they have uh, they they it's like unfur- unfinished or whatever. It's like how it was originally. You know, so you get to walk around. That's the, that was the cool part. Like they take you up to the second floor and they take you in the basement. They let you look around, but they don't tell you anything. They're just the waiter. You know what I mean? So, like mm-hmm. I said, unless you go with a with a ghost tour, the waiter's just like, "All right, you can go down to the basement." That's pretty much what he said. He was a really cool guy and everything, but he's like, "You can go down to the basement whenever you want. Look around. And you just go down there, and it's just like a dirty old basement." So. Well, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> That's that's fine. I like dirty old basements. I'm, I'm not going any farther with that. Yeah, I was going to say you you set yourself up there for <laughs> on the all on the of subject trouble. of breweries. I think we need uh, uh, I think we need to make a make uh, make make a promise here that in case the zombie apocalypse happened, that you and me meet in North Carolina because I recently read that North Carolina has more uh, uh, micro brews uh, you know per area than than any any other state. So. Sounds like the per- perfect place to write it out. Yeah. All right. I, I, can you make it that far in a zombie apocalypse? Dude, I wrote the book on how to survive this stuff. I can make it. Oh wow! All right. That's I'm gonna have to. Yeah, you're. That's a bold. That's a bold stance. I like that. 
Now I feel bad, like I undersold this brewery though, but it, the food was outstanding and the beer was great, and I highly recommend it. So um, I was foolish to not bring a ghost expert with me. Really, is the, <laughs> is the point of it, you know? Um, but it was cool. It was eerie in the basement and stuff, and the upstairs was was spooky too. But these ghost tours, uh, I don't know. Have you ever been on a ghost tour? Yeah, yeah, I've 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 been been on a couple and you know, in, in research for some a couple of my ghost books I've been on ghost tours and I mean they're just they're I mean they're they're for people who are interested in ghosts and you hear nice history which is which is good. You get to see some creepy places and at the end they break out uh they break out um um oh what the hell do you call them? I'm having serious problems uh you know, thinking about thinking about, about, about words tonight. Um um dowsing rods. They bring out dowsing rods and you get to let those wave around. Where was this? Oh, Hannibal, Missouri. Wow, nice. Yeah, they did that in uh in St. Louis as well when I went to the Limp Mansion. And uh, yeah. You ever interviewed a dowser? No, I've never spoken with a dowser. Um I don't know how much I could get out of a dowser. That doesn't sound no, like a two I've... hour show. I don't think it is a two-hour show. Yeah, but I, I've spoken. I've interviewed a couple of dowsers who, you know, are just really convincing that you know this stuff works and hmm. it's real. And you know, I've discovered this, this, and this with dowsing rods. Here, you try it. Okay, I'm holding two metal sticks. Yeah, and they're not moving. Yeah, it seems like the kind of thing you either have to be like, there's some sort of level of skill or something involved if 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 they're that convinced. I don't know. It's confusing to me. It would be tough radio, too, because you can't see the dowsing rod or anything. So it's like, well, I'm supposed to imagine it. How does it look right now? Well, that's what you got to do. Radio like they did back in like the 19, uh, 1930s. You have to describe every single thing. And I'll have to be you there. You listen with to those old broadcasts? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, uh, very, very tough stuff, uh, dowsing. I don't know. All right. Like I said, I don't know if I could really get get a full show out of it it seems kind of uh unless unless i could talk to like an expert on dowsing you know then they could tell you how long it's been around and all that stuff but i don't know yeah, yeah dowsing is one of the uh, there are uh quite a few you know aspects of the paranormal that i think are just complete bullshit yeah uh dowsing until somebody can prove me wrong is in that realm wow um so I'm not saying it's, I'm, uh, you know, hey, I want somebody to convince me. If dowsing's real, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, psychics, I used to think all psychics were complete crap until I met a couple who told me things that just absolutely blew my socks off. Yeah. Because um, I, I was completely convinced all of that was BS. There, there was one, uh, I went to a, uh, a spiritualist convention because you know why? It was there. <laughs> and I wanted to interview people. Yeah. And I was interviewing this spiritualist uh, leader. Uh, I'm like, how do you become a spiritualist? And and she said, well, people are born into it. Like you, you were born, uh, you know, into the Methodist Church. So you know, you're you're a Methodist. And some people change, like your mom, who was Catholic, and she, you know, met your dad, and they they got married, and she converted to become a Methodist. And you obviously didn't tell her all this stuff. I yeah I, I gave you that dead silence for a reason. Yeah. That's exactly what I had in response to that woman. Yikes. She said it so matter of factly, like you know she knew it a hundred. It was a hundred percent accurate, and it was. Well, the way she said it too is like in a way that she's not trying to convince you because she knows that it's true. Like yeah, she's certain of it. It's that's the spooky part too. 
Yeah, yeah, and 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 she was ab- absolutely right. I mean, this is the I mean, this is the Midwest. I mean, she would have gotten a better, you know, better luck calling saying that I was a Baptist. I mean, if she was just taking a shot in the dark. Mm. Than a Methodist, but no, I mean she completely nailed that. Yeah, mom did, was Catholic. Wow. How, how did you did you like say, well, that's amazing, or did you kind of play it cool and you were like, so? Oh, you know. I play everything cool. Oh, good answer. Good answer. Oh, you stumped me on that one. <laughs> oh man, so dowsing. You don't believe in dowsing? I I don't know anything about dowsing. Um. Jim Vuvich says dowsing supposedly works because your subconscious moves the sticks by moving your muscles without your conscious input. The rods are like the needle on a gas gauge, measuring input to your subconscious. That's his opinion, he says. It's two cents. Well, and, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that dowsing doesn't work. I'm just saying it sounds, you know, it sounds like it shouldn't work. Because people for centuries have been finding water with dowsing rods. Yeah, that's people, kind of the big thing, right? That's, uh, that's sort of like their claim to fame. Yeah, yeah, it is, but but they also find other things. There's a a guy here in in town. Uh, I'd come home. I I had the day off day off work, and and uh, I was at home alone, and uh, I noticed there was somebody in my front yard, and I was, and the the truck uh, was from uh, from the city. I'm like, what the hell is he doing here? And he walked around for a bit, then he went back to his car and he pulls out a dowsing rod. What? He starts walking through my yard with a dowsing rod. So uh, I go out and talk to the guy, and I end up, I you know, I end up interviewing him for for a story that I'd written, and you know, he works for the city mainly in, in the you know, water department, but he also does stuff out at the cemetery. And he, if he cannot find a water line, the accepted way, he pulls out his dowsing rod and he says he finds it every single time. Weird. And out at the cemetery, there's a lot of unmarked graves, and he said he's found, you know, located dozens of them just by using his dowsing rod. Ugh, God. What's he looking for unmarked graves for? Oh, so they can mark them. Unknown? Uh, yeah, well, I'm mean, hoping that the genealogist might be able to nail down who they are. It's Genealogy's really big here. Interesting, interesting. Genealogy is big everywhere all of a sudden in the last few years. It's kind of the Internet and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. I forget how we even got on dowsing in the first place, but, uh, yeah. Haunt, most haunted... I threw us... Go ahead. I, threw us all... I just threw us completely off topic. <laughs> I don't mind it, because <laughs> that's probably the most we've ever talked about dowsing on the show uh, ever, so that, that, that'll that satisfy sort of the Wikipedia-like aspect of the program. Where all right. Someone's Score. Like, you guys never talked about dowsing. I can be like, uh, Jason Offit, season nine. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll listen to it and be like, geez. But <laughs> he, called, he, he called it bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> It'll be like the burning moon. He'll be like, oh, listen, you guys don't know shit about dowsing. He'll be like, well, sorry, dude. We're just having a conversation. <laughs> oh, most haunted city in America, Savannah, though. I may, I, I would check it out again. It was a nice place. You'd like it. Food was good. Lots of nice uh, drinking establishments. Very compact. You can really kind of uh, do the whole city in a in a three day weekend if you wanted to. So, I've heard positive things. I've I've never been, and and I think maybe New Orleans would argue with Savannah about being the most haunted city in the in the South. All right. Well, I'll let those two fight it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, let me see what else I got here on my uh, list of off it topics. 
You know, we don't have cities fight enough. We need to have. We need. And you know, as a matter of fact, I've always thought. Uh, I've always wanted to get uh, Nebraska and Oklahoma pissed off at each other. You know, they just Kansas would disappear. I want to see big geographic areas in the United States just have fist fights. I like the idea of breaking California up into five states. I don't know if you've seen that whole theory. Um, some important rich guy was the one pushing it. I think the guy behind Tesla, uh, the Tesla car, or something like that. All right. Well, yeah. Well, it's it, it's it's understandable. I mean, because uh, I mean, I mean, you, you, L.A. gets you know you know it's the most most populous. But I mean, the different areas. I mean, you've got farming areas that get completely ignored. Mm. So yeah, I could. I mean, break it up into five states. I think that would be fine. Yeah, because it's got the size like of its own country. You could even do that with some of these other states, like Texas and stuff like that, but they probably wouldn't do it. But California seems uh, radical enough to try it. <laughs> they, yeah, they, they would. And, um, yeah, Alaska's big enough to break into a, a few states, but I think uh, when I was researching Alaska, there's like 1.2 people for every square mile, and most of that population is in Anchorage. Oh yeah, it's like all it's all like barren wasteland. Yeah, everything is just empty, which is fine for monsters. I had a buddy. I think he I think he went up there for something and uh, for a while, um, and he told me it's like it seems like a place where where people go to escape from from life. You know, so if you, if you, if you ran afoul of the law, you can probably head up to Alaska, and uh, it'll be a while before anyone really even comes looking for you. Or well, they probably would give up. Where do where, where do you think he went? Alaska? Screw it. Right. Yeah. Let him stay. Yeah. Nowadays it's tough. It's hard to run from the law. That's why we need uh we need to get into some more of these death hoaxes and see if anyone's because the ones that you hear about them, but they're people who pull them off but then fail at the end. We're like he faked his death and lived in Florida for five years, and it's like how did what? Which those are great stories, and you even see some that are, you know people who faked their death, and you know, fifteen years later they busted him. How did they screw up if they've hidden for fifteen years? That's uh, I don't know. Telling it's people, like, getting drunk and telling somebody. <laughs> that's yeah. That's <laughs> that's usually how most uh, most big crimes are foiled. Well, uh, yeah, I've interviewed enough cops and asked them the same question, and they've all all answered the same way. And the question is, how do criminals get caught? And the answer is they're stupid. The smart ones don't get caught. The stupid ones they get caught. I'm still waiting for DB D. Cooper to show sh- uh, uh, to show up. There's a dude who's doing some good work on that. I don't have his info in front of me because uh, he just brought it up. But yeah, there's a guy. Uh, he's been he used to be on Coast to Coast a lot talking about it. He seems like he's pretty close to nailing that one down. But it's too bad. Uh, you know, we I've been in this for like ten years. I can't think of too many big stories that have ever really been settled except for. Uh, the deep throat thing that that got resolved uh, in the last like ten years or so. So that's kind of one one mystery that really wasn't even a, a really that cool a mystery uh, that we find out the answer to. Well, but we the only reason we found out the answer to is because the guy was dying from cancer and he admitted it on his deathbed. Right. Which is something. Let's talk. Okay, let me uh, let me bring up deathbeds. I think there have been a lot of. Uh, um, you know, nice deathbed confessions. Uh, a couple about Roswell that I can think of off the top of my head, yeah. where people are dying and they're like, "Yeah, this really happened." Okay, what's their motivation for saying that? They're not trying to get famous. They're not trying to make money. They don't. They're not trying to get a book deal. They're going to die in a week. Yeah. You know, if they weren't serious, why the hell? Why, why would they say anything? 
Aren't deathbed confessions considered more potent than uh, any kind of witness testimony? Isn't that some kind of legal thing? Wow, I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, some listener will. This is a lot. This is this program's a lot of. I'm pretty sure it is uh, discussion. So, <laughs> but we're that's we're, all right. Yeah, I don't. I don't want concrete facts. Damn it! I want to talk about stuff that's fun. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I don't know. Of course, yeah. Why would they make it up if they're just dying anyway? It's like. Yeah, because the, 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 the skeptics are like, the, their idea is like, oh, they just wanted to impress people that they had an important life. It's like, I don't even know if you care at that point. you got to be pretty shallow at that point. You're dying, and you're like, I just want to make sure everyone knows that I'm really cool. And uh, just to prove it, I saw an alien in 1940, and I can finally tell you about it. So so you'll all remember me fondly. It's like, Jesus, dude, get a grip. Well, I, I interviewed one of these guys. Um I got a cryptic email message. Uh, the guy was, you want to talk about Roswell? I'm like, okay. And after, you know, about five or six emails back and forth, I, I finally got this guy's phone number. And uh, I, I talked with him, and he was, he, there was nothing on, I mean, I guess I could have, you know, done an email lookup if I really wanted to be an investigator uh, to find out this guy's name, but, but I didn't. And he was adamant that he didn't want his name at all, and he he gave me a you know a fake name. Uh, I think it was Marty. Uh, he didn't wouldn't even give me a fake last name. He just wanted the fake first name. And he told me a story about when he was a kid. Uh, his dad, who'd been in uh, in the army, um, his a buddy of his who was still in the army, you know, was going to be into town, and he wanted to meet. So they met at this guy's hotel. It was across the street from uh, from a from a bus station, and. Uh, the two friends were, you know, were sitting around having a beer at this table, talking, and this guy was sitting. I mean, he's he's an old man now. This they guess they didn't have TVs in in hotel rooms at that point, so he was just sitting at the end of the bed listening. And his dad stopped at one point. He says, "Don't pay attention to this." Well, of course, the kid's going to pay attention to it. And they were talking about, you know, uh, a crash at the crash at Roswell, and you know, this guy had been there and you know seen the seen the bodies and all this other stuff and um this kid said he said my dad made me promise never to say anything and and i'm I'm dying so i'm finally going to say it you know he was looking for no accolades whatsoever yeah well well we talked about this i think i talked about this with jim mars uh, i don't recall though exactly maybe even stan but it's like at one point do you reach the tipping point with this stuff very frustrating if you've been in it for a long time because you've heard these stories a million times. It's like, Jesus, what's it gonna take? But you know, like I said, we're late into the uh, we're late in the game on trying to trying to get to the bottom of these things. Well, yeah, the the the, the Roswell thing is. I mean, everybody there's dead, and if not, they're really close. Everybody who saw anything because it was so long ago. Um, and it, it's it's you know, I hate to say this, but it's it's the government. <laughs> it's you know, if they sw- you know swooped in, which it sounds like they probably did, and you know, spirited everything away, it's going to take them to say, okay, you know, the the mogul balloons and you know all this other stuff that we told you, yeah, well, we lied. Yeah. You know, which which is, isn't going to happen. And then it goes back to the whole idea we talked about before, where no matter what they say, no one's going to really believe anything because everyone's so cynical about all this. Especially the people in, well, the people in the paranormal, will be cynical about it. Mainstream people who are, they just want an answer. They'll believe it. You know what I mean? 
They'll be like, yeah. there, ah, thanks. Now I don't have to be thinking about all this UFO business anymore. Uh. Yeah, it's like there's a similar case in Missouri. It was in 1941 <clears throat> between Cape Girardeau and Sykeston, Missouri, which is in the southeastern uh, part of the state, way down low, um, really, really close to Tennessee. But there was a, a crash in 1941. Um uh, two different people have 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 talked about this, uh, and everybody's you know from there is dead <laughs> because it was in 1941. So anyone old enough to have been there is is gone. Uh, I did interview one woman who was investigating it, uh, and it started out with with her dad worked uh, for the uh, uh, Army Air Corps because uh, we didn't have the Air Force back in night. 1941. It was the Army Air Corps, and there was a base down in southern Missouri, and she was just doing research on him, and he had gotten mixed up into this crash. He had gone to it, and and she found some some evidence and interviewed a, uh, a guy he served with who was in his 80s or 90s in an old folks home, and he was talking about these, you know, this crash of this saucer with these little bodies, and all of the records from every agency that you know, handled it, the, the 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 Army Air Force Base, from uh, the fire departments to the police to the sheriff, all of them from that year uh, are destroyed. So that sounds pretty cool, but where can you go with this? The records are gone and, and all the people are dead. Yeah, it's tough. There's no... I, I don't know where... I, I'm, I'm confounded by the UFO thing in general, uh, you know. It confounds me because it, the photos are no good anymore. Film's no good. We we have millions of cases, but they don't seem to be very good either. Or at least as far as as doing anything with them. You know what I mean? This like this, right. like Peter Davenport collects hundreds of cases a year. Um, unless someone's synthesizing the data, like I've pushed endlessly on this show, I don't see what else you can get out of all this stuff. Well, that's the problem. You can't. And it's just like just like the Bigfoot thing, with 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 UFOs. I mean, we need Klaatu and Gort to land on you know in the mall in in, in Washington D.C. Hmm. That's what it's going to take. Yeah. Well, do you? Here's a sort of interesting question. Uh, you're older than I am. Do you? <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, but do you? Do you? You'll get here, buddy. You'll yeah, get I know. here. That's yeah. I, 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 anytime I can find someone older than me, I, I have to point it out so I feel better about myself. That's really what's going on. <laughs> um, but you're older than me. I don't know exactly how much older, but, uh, but you're definitely older than me. So, do you have you sort of like come to that existential, like sort of moment? I've sort of done this in the last year or so, where it's like, listen, I'm 36. I got into this when I was 26. Um, I'm, I'm crossing sort of this threshold where. I may not get any answers to all this stuff. Like when I was younger, it was like, I've got my whole life ahead of me. This chances are that that some of this will be solved. And now here it is like 10 years later, and I'm like, well, I still have a good portion of my life ahead of me, but based on the last 10 years of them of, of people trying to solve this and just the state of the world, I'm getting growing skeptical that I'll be able to uh, see any resolution to this stuff. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I, uh, yeah, I remember, remember when I was, when I was a kid, 
uh, I remember, you know, reading about the Mayans and the Mayan calendar, and I'm like, I'm going to be alive for that. And it, it, you know, it's gone now. And I'm like, yeah, what, what the hell else is going on in my life? But yeah, the uh, all, all of this this paranormal stuff I've been interested in forever. I'm not going to see any resolution. I, I don't think I will. I mean, if if I do, I mean, with with what you were talking about with the Bigfoot in the freezer. Yeah. At at that point when they first announced it, I'm like, shit, I'm finally going to see it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, and then the, and then the bottom fell fell out. I I think I've come to peace with the only two things that might be resolved in my lifetime are if, you know, just like on Harry and the Hendersons, some family in a station wagon hits a Bigfoot. Yeah. Okay, if that accidentally happens, I might see Bigfoot solved. Most likely the only thing I'm going to see solved in my lifetime is somebody's going to capture a thylacine in Australia. The Tasmanian tiger that... uh, Hmm. Yeah, was hunted to extinction, and the last one died in the Hobart Zoo in 1938. People still see those. So although that was, you know, it was de- declared as extinct in 19, uh, in whenever, it, that can still possibly still be around. Hmm. That's not nearly as exciting as Bigfoot, but uh, that's what I'm hanging my hat on. Well, they just, uh, in in Myanmar this week, they actually just found like a bird that was supposedly extinct since 1941, so... Anything's possible. Well, and they do this stuff all the time. They're always finding these new new animals, usually like bugs and you know fish and birds. But sometimes they they find a mammal they didn't know existed. Yeah. You know they're not you know nine foot tall and weigh five hundred pounds and smell like a skunk. But you know I, I still got a little hope. It's ma- it's maddening too when you think about it because it's like they can <laughs> they spot this little bird, but this giant Bigfoot creature they still can't get their hands around. It's like Jesus. How the, the Bigfoot should be more difficult. I mean, it should be easier to find than a little bird. But they, you know, they just go because you know people are reporting a little bird. They go and there's they're like, hey, here's a little bird. It's she's like, geez, dude, why can't Bigfoot be this easy to work with? Well, and that's uh, my my opinions changed over the years. I mean, when I first started getting interested in this, you know, Bigfoot was uh, was a North American ape. Uh, hmm. Extraterrestrials were extraterrestrials were. I mean, UFOs were piloted by extraterrestrials from some other galaxy. Um, you know, and you know, ghosts and and other you know paranormal entities were you know this you know spirits of uh, of the dear departed. And the more time goes by, and the more we haven't solved things, and the more changes that happen with the with the different phenomena, I'm really convinced that none of those things are generally true. Hmm. You know, I would still like, you know, for uh, unidentified what UPAs or uh, U, uh, UAPs. <laughs> unidentified aerial phenomena, I think that's what they uh, yeah. started, the government in British, Britain started calling them. You know, I, I'd still like to think that those are from Alpha Centauri or, you know, Sirius or some other place, but they might not be. They could be from, you know, our neighborhood. You know, when whenever Mac Tonys wrote his book on crypto-terrestrials, I'm like, you know, I don't really believe that there's another civilization that could live here, but that would make a lot of sense. Hmm, yeah. Well, we live in a really weird world. It's really connected, but at the same time, it's really disconnected. A lot of people don't uh, talk to each other about this stuff. You know, you used to get these emails all the time. You still get them from people with these stories, like these crazy stories. We, we did a whole show back a while ago. I was telling somebody about it like uh, a 
few weeks ago. I was just talking about that Fagerl story that you uh, talked about on the show last time well, you were on. That was a great story, yeah. I know, I know. Folks, check that one out from the last time Jason was on. But do you still get these emails from people with strange stories, or as you kind of slowed down, do you not get as many? I, you know, exactly. Uh, as I've slowed down, I, I don't get as many. But, I, I mean, I still get some. Gen- generally, they're, they're, you know, generally they're... they're um, you know, black eyed kid and, and, and shadow people. Every once in a while I'll get a nice time travel story because uh you know, like I said, I'm still interested in that and I still uh still talk yeah. about that quite a bit. Was there anything that's blown your mind recently that you've heard, uh you know, through through someone who's reached out to you? Because that's the kind of stuff that other people wouldn't even know about. Uh gosh, I know I'm putting comple- you on the spot with that one, but Yeah, you are. I mean completely blown my mind. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, not uh Oh, not 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 really. Yeah. Um, Folks, gotta uh, start sending more crazy stories to Jason. Yeah, I guess. I mean, the 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 last one that really, well, okay, yeah, yeah. Let me. It really hadn't blown my mind, but uh, a, a former colleague uh, uh, sent uh, you know, posted a message about something he saw in in this town where I, where I where I live. Um, he goes out for walks uh, pretty early in the morning, and and he said that he was walking. Uh, and his, where he was walking was fairly close to my house, so that kind of bothers me. And he saw something. It was white, and it was it was four legs, and it was you know large, large, you know, big dog sized, but it moved kind of like a cat, and it had a long tail with a puff at the end, and it climbed up uh, part way up a pole and and hung on it, you know, just. You know, like you hung on the, you know, the, try to climb the rope in gym class. Yeah. You know, had its had its, you know, front legs and you know, back legs wrapped around it like that, and it was just staring at him. And he Weird. said it wasn't a cat and it wasn't a dog, but it was hairy and white, and he didn't have a clue what it was. And I was, uh, for for this series that I'm doing about exploring American monsters, uh, in Alabama there's a monster uh, called the White Fang, hmm. and that is with an A. Because it is Alabama, <laughs> and descriptions of it are a lot like that. And I you know, sent him the description, and he's like, "Oh, that's that's what I saw." So um, that I don't know about blowing my mind, but it kind of freaked me out a little bit because it's you know something unidentifiable that um, other people have seen elsewhere, and it was it was right here. Yeah, I, I don't like the stuff that happens in my backyard. That bugs me. Uh, well, that's your book, though. The other book you wrote. Yeah, I know, I know, and I maybe shouldn't have done all that research because it kind of freaks me out. Uh, Jim Latica and I have the same opinion here, although slightly different. He says albino sloth. I say just like mangy sloth. But. <laughs> it really wasn't moving fast, or it was it was moving too fast for a, for a sloth. Oh, wait, he says albino, I'm sorry, he says albino sloth. I was thinking um, a possum, so my theory is possum on that one. Well, yeah, possums don't really grow to the size of a big dog. They're about the size of a football. <laughs> That's true. And they're pretty, yeah, they're kind of like giant moles. They're really like, they're, they're, they're kind of like weird weird animals. They're just doing their own thing. They don't ever really, uh, you, you really sort of interact with them. And if you do, they're yeah. kind of like, hey, man, I'm cool, I'm out of here. Unless don't. you corner one in a garage. Have, have you ever seen uh, a, a possum up close when it was pissed at you? No, no, I can't say no. that I have. Have you? You, okay, the, you have, then I take it. Yeah, the certain marsupials, like I, I mentioned, the 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 thy, thylacine, which is a marsupial wolf, 
had the same type of mouth as a possum does. It's got a long snout, and when it opens, the mouth opens a hell of a lot wider than a mouth from any other animal does. Yeah. It's freaky as hell. And, uh, yeah, they hiss like a cat. Jesus. Possums are nasty. All right. So you don't want to mess with a possum is what you're saying. No, don't mess with a possum. Yeah. I mean, they're not badger mean, but, uh, yeah, they're they're pretty ugly. Yeah, Jim Boovard says uh, possums are the evil clowns of the animal world. That that sounds about right. That's a great yeah. It's a great explanation. <laughs> so you wrote the fiction book. How was that? Uh, you said the first book was really you know the original book that you wrote uh, was was when you were younger and was sort of a, uh, not a great thing. How is the new book? Tell me about it. What's it about? What made you decide to write a fiction book? Uh, you know, is this a new sort of realm you're going down into, or or what? Well, when I, I've wanted to write novels since I was ten, and I remember telling my parents that. And, you know, they laughed, rubbed my head, and told me to go off and play with my Legos. <laughs> um, so, which I probably did. But I mean, that's something I've I've, I've always wanted wanted to do, and. Uh, I never really had time uh, working as a as a print journalist because you, know, you work ten hours at, at a newspaper, writing and editing, and when you get home, you just want to have a few beers and watch TV. Right. So I never really got. Uh, I, I wrote some short stories, but never really got anything of length done. And then here comes my job teaching at a university where I have summers off. Uh, so I had more time, and, and uh, the first number of books that I did were I wanted to explore things I was interested in, interested in, which are shadow people and ghosts and, you know, uh, Bigfoot and time travel and, and, and all that other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it was nonfiction because, you know, I'm a journalist, and that's what journalists do. But I was sitting in an airport, the Air, Kansas City, uh, Missouri International Airport, and I was waiting for a plane to, to Texas, and uh, uh, just ideas started popping into my head. And I started, I just started writing things down. And I had actually a couple of chapters written by the time I got to, uh, by the time I got to Austin. Um, but fiction is again uh, something I've, I've always wanted, and I realized that if I didn't didn't do it, if I didn't get my book written and published, I'd regret it later. Yeah. So I just I, I I poured through it. Now what what the book's about? And I've had people ask me where did this idea come from. I've got no freaking idea. Most most authors are not going to be able to say I have no idea. Mm. You know, or that's I mean, sorry. Most authors are not going to be able to say they have an idea. Most authors don't have a clue. Yeah. It just pops in your head. You know, when you're doing dishes or when you're you know watching TV or just driving, these ideas just come to you. And for some reason, the idea of a guy who has sex with strange women at funerals popped into my head. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's something I always wanted to do and never got around to. Have you ever sat at a funeral and looked at some chick in black and going, "Hey, she's pretty hot." Yeah, is this like the is this like the Will Ferrell kind of idea, or is it a darker twist? You know, like funer- I, uh, Wedding Crashers. He's a funeral crasher. I have never watched Wedding Crashers. Okay. I I tend not to watch anything with Will Ferrell because I think he is the least funniest human being on the planet. Wow. That's a bold stance to take. Yeah, it is. And and my wife owns every one of his movies. She loves him, but I cannot stand Will Ferrell. Wow. So the talking points tonight are Jason Offutt wants to kill Bigfoot. He says <laughs> dousing is bullshit, and Will Ferrell <laughs> is the worst. Yes, that's that's it. That's what you're taking from this tonight, guys. 
uh, but yeah, the uh, the 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 guy I I wanted to write a nerd novel because you yeah. don't see a lot of novels about nerds, and uh, so this is uh, this is about a guy named uh, named Deaver Dixon who lives at home with his mom. Uh, he's thirty years old, works in IT, plays Dungeons and Dragons every Friday night with his high school old high school buddies. And uh, the big the big scene where the climax happens is at uh, a, uh, a science fiction convention in Kansas City called the Wrath of Khan, C O N. Is that a real thing? No. Okay. I'm already buying into the story. I've already suspended my disbelief. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. And this uh, the 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 guy uh, nobody knows about uh, what he does at funerals. He just does this as a hobby, and uh, he uh, in, he meets a girl. Uh, who he hooks up with, who has exactly the same hobby as he does. She picks up guys at funerals, and it's then Weird. kind of an effed-up love story after that. Jesus, interesting. So how... Oh, wow. That's interesting. So the idea just kind of uh, came to you, and you just started writing furiously. Do you have the yeah. ending in mind? Does the ending come first, or like, how does it all kind of does it come to you sort of like as an elevator pitch kind of thing? It it depends. I mean, I've got something else that that I that I've done um, that the ending came to me first before anything else did. But with this, just uh, you know, a couple of scenes on how would you exactly approach somebody at a visitation or a funeral and hit on them? Hmm. That's what came to me first. You'd have yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, and part of it, part of that also came from a, a guy I went to college with. His basic philosophy with women was he would walk up to them and say, hey, you want to screw? And he said, 15 times, I'm going to get a slap in the face, but there's that 16th time that works. I, I heard that, the- too, from a, from a college professor. He had a friend who did that, and uh, he said, like, the same thing. Yeah. I, I never tried that out, but uh, he was he was okay with fifteen slaps in the face. I suppose, yeah. Well, if it pays off at the end, I guess you if you gotta really want it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the line? Where do you draw the line of how many times uh, you get slapped in the face? I don't know. Interesting. So you're gonna do more fiction, or do you have to kind of do you have more ideas? Like that's the thing that interests me because I've thought about doing fiction and writing some stuff. I have some ideas, but I don't know if I could even. Stretch them into one long story. Well, the uh, yeah, that's the, the the story. I mean, you got ideas, but they they have to have. I mean, there, there's got to be a body to it. There's got to be got to be uh, you know a story to it. I've I've got a couple of uh, a couple of book ideas um, that I'm one of them. I've got tons of notes for um, that. I'll, I'll get to that one in a second, but but. About not having enough enough information or enough idea for a book. Yeah. Uh, I just just completed a novella. Um, I've changed the name of it. The original name was Matri- Matriarchal Nazi Cannibals, uh, based on a dream that I had. Oh wow! About uh, people who wound up in this small town and found that it was run by a matriarchy of uh, Nazi people who escaped. Yeah, of descendants who escaped Nazi Germany uh, you know, after the war. And uh, they were cannibals. That sounds like a trauma uh, film. Yeah. Well, after I wrote it, I'm like, this could, this is, this is, this could be a movie. This is, this is terrific. And uh, but I only had enough to get about sixteen thousand words out of it. So, yeah. yeah. And if I would have stretched it any more, it would have been too much. So, 
you know, so, some ideas are meant for tw- 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 a two thousand word story, and some are some some are a book. You know what and, I'd like uh, to see you try is uh, have you ever thought about writing like a movie or a, or a play or something? I yeah, but I wouldn't have a clue what to do with it afterward. You would stage it. You're a teacher. You could just uh, don't, you, don't they have bulletin boards there? Just put up some flyers, stage. You know, uh, and <laughs> I am in the mass media department, and uh, we have uh, students who make student films all the time. Exactly. Yeah, that could happen. That could happen. Take advantage of that free labor. Yeah, my uh, my. Well, you'd, you'd ask about about book ideas. I've got a. Uh, it's going to be a fiction, nonfiction book. Uh, some of it, a lot of it's gonna, it's going to be fiction, but there's a lot, whole lot of nonfiction in it. Uh, it's going to be called the Vasectomy Diaries because I had one of those seven years ago, and my wife and I have a four-month-old now. I went to the doctor uh, last January when I found out we were expecting, and my body repaired itself. I'm wow. getting really personal here. I know, I so, was because I, I knew this story, but I would never ask you about it on the air. So I'm thorough. Well, you know, I'll throw it out because yeah. I have a superpower. I know, I'm, and I'm, my I'm superpower amazed. must be getting women pregnant. Yeah. Well, yeah. you you have a uh, now. Does it hurt when you get kicked in between the legs? <laughs> it's not like the testicles were removed. I know that. I just mean That's like maybe before you were immune to that. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic, of course. Yeah. Okay. No. No. It hurts. They're they're normal, especially now. They're yeah, just so super I'm like Wolver- I'm like Wolverine down there. Exactly. You you have the you have the crotch of Wolverine. Yeah. So anyway, the only reason I'm bringing that up is it's going to be a book. I've, I took notes throughout the entire throughout the entire pregnancy about all the the weird, funny shit that happened. And uh, don't, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. This is going to be a short scene. We, we pregnant women get cravings, mm-hmm. and uh, my wife was really, really jonesing really hard for this certain type of pastry. I don't remember if Little Debbie or whoever makes it, but they don't make it anymore. So I was, we were driving to Kansas City, which is about an hour and a half, two hour drive, and I stopped at every little place I could find to get one of these, and, and nobody had it. So I finally bought some some donuts, little donuts. And gave them to the kids. And I told my wife, I said, we'll, we'll, we'll keep looking. So we're driving down the highway, and my wife's like, I've got to have something sweet. got to have something sweet. Turned around to, the, to, to my son. Could you give me a donut? He's like, sure, Mom. Here you go. So she ate the donut. She turned to my daughter, who's, uh, who was seven at the time. She goes, hey, give me a donut. My daughter's like, no. <laughs> give me a donut. No, I'm not going to give you a donut. Give me a fucking donut! It <laughs> really happened. Wow. Yeah, it really <laughs> happened. So my daughter gingerly hands a donut to my wife, and, and everything's fine. Wow. But that was hilarious. Do you get your money back for the vasectomy? You know what? No, because... Uh, you have no, to sign something that says it could happen? Yeah, because the doctor warns you this this could grow back. It's rare, but, but it could happen. Jeez. Wow. Well, congrats. Well, thanks, thanks. Yeah, being a being being a being a father at uh, this advanced age means I'll never be able to retire. Well, think of all the adventures we'll get in working. Yes, yeah, I got to look at the positives. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad I went there. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Well, do you are you going to get another one or are you just throwing up your hands at this point? I'm done talking about my testicles. <laughs> 
You mentioned it first. You mentioned. I did. It first. I brought it up, but it, it, it was in it was in the vein of this is the next book I'm working on. Interesting. All right. But yeah, no. Any you know, some guy comes at you comes at your junk with a knife. Hmm. You don't want that to happen twice in your life. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, do you you you've sort of you're doing the American Monster series here at uh, at Mysterious Universe? Is that sort of the where you're focusing your paranormal energy for the time being? Right, right now, until I get through the fifty stage, yeah, it's uh, again. Uh, I just I like monsters. Yeah, I I like creepy crawly things in the night. I like uh, uh, I like things that you know are human like. That's why I really, really have always been fascinated by Bigfoot because it stands on two legs. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and it walks, and and some people, some Bigfoot researchers say that uh, that it talks as well. That they've you know, heard it repeat things that uh, they've said in the night. I've heard so, that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that a couple times. It's a weird uh, aspect of the Bigfoot thing. Well, this is a weird question, but uh, this isn't like a challenge or anything like that. I'm just kind of intrigued. Uh, when do you think you'll wrap up all fifty states? Uh, probably. Um, well, I started. Uh, I'm looking at it here. Your first one was February 27th. So you've just begun. Yes. You've only done like three, three or four so far. So uh, you've got quite the journey ahead of you. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be December, early January. All right. Oh, so you think you can do it in a year? Well, I'm planning. Yeah, I'm planning on doing one a week. All right. Fifty states, fifty-two weeks. Yeah, I can do this. Oh, now it's now it is turning into a challenge. Yeah. All right. Well, when you finish that, we want to have you on the show, and we'll do sort of like a tour of American monsters. We're we're just beginning the uh, the journey here, so it's good that we got you on now before uh, before you're like halfway through it. Okay. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's some uh, there's some nice monsters out there. I'm I'm looking to to uh, to delving into and uh, and uh, yeah, it'll be a great conversation. As it always is. It it always is. It's really. Uh, don't listen to what Bernie said, folks. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't had a good jam session in a long time, you know, where I just talk to somebody I'm good friends with and talk for a long time about just anything that we can think of. So I've enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, same here. Usually it's just baseball. We didn't even touch on baseball. I'll make you talk a little bit about baseball after uh, we say goodbye to the live audience. I'll do five minutes of baseball, because I'm going to talk to you later on this month anyway for all that. I didn't want to surprise you and be like, what are your picks? Because it's a little (laughs) little early for that. But uh, is there anywhere you could go? Is there anywhere you'd like, if you, you, I I don't know if I ever asked you this, but I don't think I asked somebody else this question once, but, uh, you know, if you if you won the lottery tomorrow and you had to spend it on the paranormal, it's like some kind of weird uh, paranormal lottery. <laughs> Is there anywhere you'd go or anything you'd do? Like if 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 you had unlimited resources, uh, you know, what would you what would you really like to do? Wow, uh, that's a great great question. Um, you know, possibly uh, go lay in the uh, you know the uh, alleged sarcophagus. I'm saying it's the alleged sarcophagus because it's not a sarcophagus, but it is a box in the king's chamber in the uh, in the Great Pyramid. You know, I, that would uh, that would be an awesome experience. Fly to Easter Island and and you know hug a moai. Are you allowed to even get into that king's chamber or? Uh, people have, yeah, you need special permission to, well, I mean, you get in there, but you, I think you need special permission to actually lay in the box. 
Yeah, they'd probably be like, dude, no, no, you can, sir, sir. You're like, I have to do it. And then you'd be like, here's a million dollars. Money is no object. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to the pyramids, too, and check them out. They seem like, uh, I don't know. Well, I was going to say monumental, but that goes without saying. But they're they're really really amazing. Yeah, the, uh, I don't know, one of the places that I'd like to go just because of the mystery involved is, uh, um, are you familiar, I don't remember the, the, the name of, how oh, the name of the event, but there was a group of, uh, of skiers, uh, young, young people back in, I think, the 50s who were in the Ural Mountains in, in Russia, uh, and they were climbing up a mountain and, and they pitched a tent and, uh, they disappeared, I mean, they, they just, they didn't come back, and, People went out to find them and uh, found that they'd rushed out from the uh, rushed out of the tent, and uh, most of them were naked, and they ended up dying in the snow, and the tent got ripped to pieces, and uh, it's a big mystery as to what happened to them. I just kind of like to go there and check out the area. All right, well, you are amazing, sir, because uh, that's actually I was kind of on the fence now, but since you said that, I'm definitely going to do it because I have two awesome episodes in the can for BOA Audio uh, that I taped at the beginning of the year that I haven't rolled out yet. Uh, one of them is that case. So th- we'll make that the next edition of the show, uh, the Dietloff Pass mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Yeah, that is true. I'm really fascinated by that case. You're going to like it because uh, I read the book that the guy wrote. I forget the name of it. Uh, so I'm going to be terrible at plugging it uh, here at the end. But he's uh, – I have the book, and we did like two hours on it. So – and it's its pretty amazing stuff. It's really – All cool. right. Yeah. Keith, Fantastic. Keith McCloskey is the guy uh, that's going to be on the show. And uh, let me see if I can have – if I have the name of his book here. Because uh, now I feel bad. that uh, The Dyatlov Pass Incident. No, that's not the name of his book. That's just something I wrote down. But anyway <laughs> – uh but anyway yeah a mountain of the dead i think is the name of the book and uh he's going to be on to talk about it next week on the show so i was on the fence about which one to put out because they're both such good episodes i was kind of sitting on it and debating it but since you mentioned it it seems like the perfect uh perfect sign that that's the one that we should put out so that'll be on the next show well done jason i'm glad you called me to be on yeah that's crazy. I'm really. I was like grinning from ear to ear as you were describing that because I'm like, oh my god, he has no idea that we have like a two hour plus interview with, the, <laughs> with this guy digging deeply into the case. So uh, yeah, it's a killer show. It's a killer show to follow up a killer show tonight with you. So we're on a roll here. Say something. All right. Hey, I, Jesus. Say something. Right. You know, like, hey, uh, you're right, man. This has been great. Tim, it's always great. You, Tim, you're my favorite interviewer. Okay, I love being on your show. You do a great job. Really? Do you mean that? I'm serious. (laughs) I'm completely serious. I am. I'm just messing with you at this point. Um, Yes, but the thing that I really want to know that I think everybody's itching to find out about is your fire pit. Oh yeah. Okay, because I saw a great picture on your on your uh, online of you sitting uh, in the snow. Yes. I, uh, they're on my Facebook page. People should go check it out. I should put them up at Banal of America just to get them out there, too, uh, for people that don't use Facebook. But it was it's pretty awesome. It's actually melted quite a bit this week. Uh, so it's not as awesome as it was. But at, at a time, it, 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 the walls were five five feet plus high of snow and really carved out. I'm sure you've shoveled in your lifetime. When the snow is really deep, you can kind of 
you can kind of really do a sharp cut when you're shoveling into it. So it was really like a little room. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it, not uh, not to that extent. I mean, we get a lot of snow here in, in Missouri, but I haven't had anything that high. Well, it was a cumulative effort. I had to keep going out between every blizzard and re and and keep and keep it. You can't just go out and do it from scratch. Well, I'm sure you could, but you'd be kind of a dummy to do it that way. But if you wait all winter, like I'll probably do it next winter. I don't think we'll get the record amount of snow, but I think I'll do it again because it was so cool. The interesting part was. When you're in there and the fire is going, the all, the walls of the of the structure. Let's go. There's the British lady. We'll keep we'll keep going on this uh, if we lose the live audience. But the structures, the walls of the structure turn like they get like all crystallized, like they don't just melt outright. And and the floor of the little room is just like filled with water, because it's like slowly melting uh, the walls down onto your feet. So it's a really cool effect. Which ices up, and the next time you go out there, you bust your ass and, you know, break a knee. That's the problem, actually, yeah, because you, you don't want to handle the, the the fire pit can, you know, you can pick it up and move it around. It's not just like a, uh, it's not like stationary, but you, you don't, you can't really move it around after you've used it. So then you go in the house, it's cold out, you go out the next morning, and now it's frozen to the floor of the little room you made. So... It has its pluses and minuses, but it was quite enjoyable. It was really strange to be out there. Uh, you really aren't cold at all because you're right next to the fire pit, but you're surrounded by all the snow. It's it's uh, it's surreal. Well, I see what you're missing here, though. It's a perfect opportunity. You could have beer bottles sticking into the snow wall. I did have beer bottles sticking into the snow wall. <laughs> so. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, they're they're all strewn throughout the. Uh, throughout the tops of the walls. I was just careful about the pictures so I didn't make my look, myself look like too much of a, of a lunatic. <laughs> uh, well, we're going to lose the live audience in 10 seconds. So thanks to Jim Ladiga and Jim Vujovich for, uh, for talking to us uh, in the chat room tonight. And Bernie Mooney, who posted that comment <laughs> about the genetic modified stuff. That made me laugh. Um, thanks to all those guys who tuned in. We're we're still going here in the post show. There's really not much else to talk about here in the post. Do you have any other questions about the fire pit? I've, there's really not much more to say. I mean, it's a fire pit. Well, have you destroyed evidence in the fire pit? Not yet. No, no, okay. no, not yet. Um, I've considered it, but you know, that's, that's, I never even thought of that actually. So I really haven't <laughs> considered it. But uh, Bernie Mooney, he did respond, but I don't think he heard your challenge. He said, uh, I know you're just talking, just talking in quotes, but I hear the same misinformation all the time from people I respect as smart people, so it drives me nuts. I write about the issue, so I have a genetically modified dog in the hunt. So I don't even remember what we said exactly other than uh, I bet it was that Monsanto's going to kill us all thing you said. I bet uh, that, yeah, I'm thinking Bernie Mooney works for Monsanto. <laughs> That's very possible. Um, now, I should congratulate you. I want to mention this is, this is sort of an interesting meeting of the minds because we both, uh, we I, I said to folks, I promised that we'd talk about the baseball at the end. So we'll, we'll do a, a brief chat here because I don't want to blow it all before the baseball is special. But you and I share a piece of the title because of how it all went down. Which is, yeah, awesome. So this now you're a two, two-time champion. Two-time, yeah, this is, yeah. I will lord that over others. Mm. Are you looking forward to the season? I'm afraid to even start talking about this because it's going to blow the baseball special. But uh, but just briefly, are you are you looking forward to the season? Are you excited? There's a little quite a hangover here in Kansas City. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm excited, but uh, 
given this is the uh, given it was like what thirty eight, thirty nine years between World Series or playoff appearances, even. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm just reveling in uh, in in last year, and I've got my fingers crossed that we won't embarrass ourselves this year. Mm. Well, I'll share. I'll, I'll share the. I mean, I'll save. I'll save the amazing story of uh of our of our journey through the playoffs last year because that was like one of the weirdest uh <laughs> things that I ever experienced uh just it but just the brief version is that Jason and I we were in in communication throughout the entire playoffs from beginning to end uh from 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 the glorious wild card game that started the Kansas City run to the to the heart, heartbreaking game 7 so it was uh, I I almost thought if I I thought about like putting it into like book form for you in some way to send to you, but then it was like, I don't know if it, re- it would read well as a book. It's a lot of just you and me being like, uh, just just random complaints or or about the announcers and things like that. Yeah, lo- lo- lots of oh he got yosted in hey country breakfast. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go, country breakfast. It's like if you don't know what's going on, you have no idea what we're talking about. So it was a lot no, but of that. I'm hungry now. And folks will be happy to know I tried like hell to convince Jason to name his new kid uh, Yost after Ned Yost. I still think he, it's a great did. name. I think I still think he, it's he, a great name. Yeah, I know. Tim really did really did push me. That's her middle name. Oh, I nice. lied. I totally lied. It's I know. Not. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll get into all that on the baseball special. But it's been great chatting with you, man. I really do. Uh, I enjoy talking to you every time. Like I said, as soon as as soon as your name popped into my head, it was like. Well, that's the next show. I got to talk to Jason Alva because I haven't talked to him forever, and there's all kinds of stuff to talk about. And you know, we we really we're very similar guys because we keep one foot in the real world and and still dip our toe in the paranormal and have sort of uh, the everyman quality that I like in in guests and, and thinkers in this field. Well, when which is one of the I mean, there are a couple of reasons why I've I've kind of taken a step back a little bit from the paranormal, but one of them is the people who don't keep a foot in the real world there there are quite a few of those out there and they frankly kind of scare the hell out of me yeah the people who are like solely into the paranormal or just uh yeah are are are, are way too in it to the point that you know logic totally escapes them Mm, yeah i mean i mean i don't know how many people i've run into that you know are firmly convinced that they've you know you know been abducted by extraterrestrials, which is fine. Okay, if you if you know, that could have could have happened, I have no complaint about that with you whatsoever. But if you can also remote view, if you can also you know talk to ghosts, have seen Bigfoot, you know, and have you know have have, have sat on JFK's lap, you know, then you know, my believability factor has just completely been shot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a lot of problems with that too. In the sense, uh, you know, Facebook's like a cesspool of weirdness in a lot of ways, and people, mm-hmm. you know, personalize weirdness. Where you get people who are like who say they're hybrids and stuff like that. It's just maddening. It's like yeah. you, you're not you're not a hybrid. I'm sorry. I hate to burst your bubble, but you're not a hybrid. Well, and then there are so <laughs> many people out there who are, are just obviously full full of shit. Uh, Richard Hoagland, his early stuff. Uh, his early stuff about Mars, I really respect that early stuff. But when he knew he had to move on to different topics, and he started finding gl- you know glass bases on the moon, and every rock that that you know a Martian uh, you know uh, uh, you know Martian probe saw was you know a piece of of a machine. It's like no, dude, it's a rock. 
Yeah. You're really reaching for it. You're just trying to keep your name out there. Shut up already. You're you know losing all credibility. What's going on over there? Are you cooking, making tea? Oh, uh, we have. I've got a problem with uh, the furnace in my office. Oh Jesus! And every once in a while, it starts because it's it's the, the 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 campus. All the heat is run on steam, and there's some problem with my my furnace. And every once in a while, it starts moaning at me. Oh, you're on campus now, huh? Yeah. Any big parties going on? Uh, it's a dry campus. Oh, really? Yeah, so any parties that are happening are off campus. Any frat houses in the area? Uh, yeah, all of them are off campus, but there there are a couple oh, within with yeah, a few of them within, you know, throwing distance. Nice. Must be nice though. I mean, but there's a lot to do in a college sort of uh area. Well, and it's I mean, it's it's a it's a small town, but uh it's given the size of the town, it's um it's a really smart town considering all the PhDs who live here. Yeah. So I mean, the 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 people to hang out and talk to are, are pretty fascinating, and you know, and, and given the universities here, we hell we we have. Uh, I had dinner with uh, a New York Times best-selling author uh, last semester who was in town to speak. Uh, we've had like Gandhi's grandson came here to talk. Wow. Uh, um, a. Um, uh, an Apollo astronaut. I don't remember which one, but Apollo astronaut was here. <laughs> not one of the big ones, though. It's not. It's not. It wasn't one of the big ones. Edgar <laughs> Mitchell didn't come here, uh, but still, he was an Apollo astronaut. Right. Did he walk then, on the moon? Uh, no. Oh, that must suck. Yeah, but still, he was an Apollo astronaut. Yeah, still. But still, stuff. I mean, stuff. Stuff like this. Uh, stuff like this comes to campus, and it's. Uh, you know, given given the town's like twelve thousand people, a lot of a lot of pretty cool stuff happens here. Yeah, I bet you at some point this year you'd have the opportunity to see a barbershop quartet. Maybe so. I've never seen one of those on on campus. Although back in the fifties, the Von Trapp family singers were here. Colleges usually have that kind of thing, so I figure it'll pop up eventually if it hasn't yet. Barbershop. I'll keep my eyes open and probably not go listen to them, but that's all right. Yeah. There, there's the fourth talking point off at Dist, uh, Dist Barbershop Quartet. Yes, yes. Barbershop Quartet, no thanks, says Jason Moffat. Yes. All right, man. Well, let me plug the books here uh, before I let you go. The new one, How to Kill Monsters Using Common Household Items. Also, A Funeral Story. And then the uh, previous books we've talked about here on the show, Darkness Walks and What Lurks Beyond. And across a corn-swept land. Are you going to do a? Are you going to do a? I thought you were going to do a book about your trip to England. Uh, yeah. The, the problem I ran into is, I guess I spent too much time uh, wandering, uh, wandering historic sites and uh, sitting in pubs because I got it written up and it's uh, like twenty thousand words short. <laughs> oh man, really? That's it? Is that a lot or yeah. a little? I can't tell. Oh, well, it's not that. I've got about forty thousand words written into it. Um, I just. It's it's still it's still on my agenda. I just just haven't got it finished yet. I don't remember if we talked about your trip to Stonehenge or not. I I remember I told you I mooned Stonehenge, so I figured we must have talked about it, but but I don't recall. Did you really? What did you think of it? It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. Oh yeah, which is which is which is terrific. I mean, I'm glad it's in the middle of nowhere, and not you know not there's not a Walmart right next door. That's true. <laughs> that, would, that would yeah, it'd be a bit of a bit of an issue. So I mean, the the location was terrific. Uh, uh, I mean, driving out to Stonehenge, Hinge, being in the middle of nowhere, you get to see some, you know, pretty quaint towns, and the scenery was gorgeous. Mm. The fields were were filled with uh, what we call canola, what they they call rapeseed. 
Yay. Okay, they don't have that great a PR, I guess, yeah. in the agriculture industry in, uh, in in England. But yeah, Stonehenge. It's one of those things I've wanted to see since I was a little kid. And and when you when you talk to people who feel that way about something, as soon as they get to it, they're like, it's smaller than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's like don't meet your heroes. Right, and this this wasn't. This was everything and more than I than I'd hoped it would be. I was just amazingly impressed. Nice. There was uh, a witch there who got out of the car. She had a little. Uh, she she was in witch garb and she had a staff with a goat's head on the end of it, and she was talking to small children and yeah, Yikes. probably yeah. Now a little unnerving. The two things come to mind. Uh, I'll let you get going soon. I promise. Um, the I don't know about you, but I went there in the year 2000. I presume it's the same case now. But you can't touch Stonehenge anymore. You used to be able to like walk around it, walk through it, you know, really have the run of the place. Now it's like they really don't want you anywhere. They don't want you near enough to touch the rocks or anything, which is kind of no. Funny. You're it, same thing, same thing. You can't yeah. unless you're a druid. You can't get uh, beyond the rope to go up and walk around the stones. Yeah, which is disappointing. And yeah. when I went there, there was like nothing as far as. It was like a tiny little thing that you could go in and get a little bit of information. But have they upgraded that? Is there a food court? I think I know. I asked you this question before. I'm just interested. Yes, and there there is. There was uh, <laughs> there was a place to there was a place to get uh, uh, sausages and uh, a couple other a couple other types of food. And uh, uh, there were just starting on uh, uh, a tourist center. So they're gonna oh, okay, gonna have yeah. a big center for you know for for tourists at some point. But uh, yeah. yeah, I was, I was, I was, yeah, man, I was, I was really impressed. Nice. Uh, and and the reason they keep it chained off is this happened just a few days ago in 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 Italy. Oh, someone scratched their name in the Colosseum. That whole in thing? the Colosseum. Who the hell does that? Oh wait, it was Americans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, people are dumb. You, you, did you hear this weird story? Speaking of which, this uh, it was like a Cambodian temple, a temple in Cambodia where. Uh, First, a couple people. This is ironic because I told you I mooned Stonehenge, but it was like a couple people, like pulled their pants down and took their pictures in this Cambodian temple, and they were like <laughs> arrested and thrown out of Cambodia. But then the same thing happened like two weeks later. It was like what? Is, I don't think the people had heard about it. The other people that did it too. It was like what is compelling people to do this? I, I don't know. People do stuff like this all the time. I, I went to San Antonio a few years ago and. Uh, this guy got arrested. It was a federal charge for pissing on the Alamo. Oh my God! Was that a political statement? Must have been. No, he was drunk. Oh, he was like, "I'm going to piss on the Alamo." That sounds like something I'd do. <laughs> it's right. a federal offense, dude. Yeah, I know. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah. On that Things note, you learn on Banal of America. Ex- exactly. We want to leave you folks with one last nugget of uh, of knowledge. So those are the books: Darkness Walks, What Lurks Beyond, Across a Corn Swept Land. Haunted Missouri, Paranormal Missouri, and again, the two new books, How to Kill Monsters Using Common Household Items and A Funeral Story. You can find all those on Amazon and all the places you can buy books pretty much nowadays. And uh, you can find Jason on Facebook. He's got a page there, uh, an author page and a regular page. So uh, look him up. That's it. Thank you for coming on the show, dude. I appreciate it. Thank you for the invite. It's always a pleasure talking to you, sir. And, and uh, I, man, I was serious. You're my favorite interviewer. I appreciate that, man. I, 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 I contrary to how uh, some folks might think, I put a lot of work in, <laughs> into these shows. So, 
you know, I like to make sure that I cover as much as possible and really uh, make a connection with the guest. That's really, uh, at the end of the day, what I really strive for is to make a connection with the guest. So. And you know the point you made a connection is when you brought up the story of the guy with the camera in his ass. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, you are free to go. I'm going to throw the plugs in here, and uh, I'm going to call it a night myself. So thank you again, my friend, and uh, we'll talk soon for the baseball special. I can't wait, Tim, and uh, we're going to have another triumphant year. I look forward to it, buddy. Have a good night. All right. You too. Bye. How about that furnace, folks? You can hear it now in the background. If you're just listening to the program for the first time ever, this is Banal of America. There goes Jason. Uh, if you're just listening to the program for the first time ever, this is Banal of America audio. You can find out more from us at banalofamerica.com. Pretty simple. Just punch in B-I-N-N-A-L-L of America.com. Much like Jason, we are on Facebook as well. Just punch in Banal of America on Facebook. What you just heard was a two-hour-plus conversation with Jason all the way over in uh, Missouri. And it was live for all the folks who want to tune in live. And that stuff costs us money, folks. So if you could help us out, that would be greatly appreciated. There's two ways to do so. You can make a donation via PayPal. Just head on over to Banal of America and click the PayPal button. You can also make a P.O. Box donation. The address for that can be found also at Banal of America. I've already given away what the next edition of BOA Audio will be. That is Keith McCloskey talking about his book, Mountain of the Dead. The Dyatlov Pass incident, folks. Crazy, crazy stuff. It's really an amazing conversation. Uh, Mountain of the Dead, the Dyatlov Pass incident. That's why I thought it was that, yes. Uh, really an amazing conversation. I absolutely devoured the book and loved it. And uh, anyone who listens to this program should know that when I read a book and I really love the book, we usually get an amazing conversation out of the guest. And that's what happened when I talked to Keith McCloskey back in February. So we're going to roll that out to folks on the next edition of BOA Audio. And since it's pre-taped and I've settled in on what I'm going to do, I'll be rolling that out to folks. What is today? March 11th. Definitely next week. Maybe early in the week. Maybe Tuesday. Who knows? I can't make a prediction on that. But it'll definitely come at you. Next week, Keith McCloskey, Mountain of the Dead, the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, what else? I know I promised I was going to do listener feedback, but I didn't ever get around to writing anything down for that. So I don't actually have any listener feedback this week. But I'll try and bring it back eventually, I promise. Uh, but share your thoughts on the show. I got a lot of good feedback on last week's edition with the host of Skeptico. I still can't say his name, Alex Sakiris. That sounds about right. I uh, got a lot of great feedback on that. I hope folks enjoyed that episode. Some people thought it was kind of polarizing, but I didn't get a lot of hate mail, which is good. So I think the people that hated it probably just didn't write to me. So I, I don't want to encourage them to either, so don't write to me if you hated it. But good feedback for the most part on that episode. And uh, I think people are going to really love the Dyatlov Pass episode coming up on the next edition of VOA Audio. And again, huge thanks to Jason Offit. Dropped everything to come on the program once I had the uh, spark in my mind that we need to get him back on the show. So enormous thanks to him. Always enjoy talking to him. It really is like a couple of guys sitting at the bar, just letting the conversation take us wherever it may go. And on that note, thank you to all the folks who tuned in live. Thank you to all the folks right now who are listening via MP3. Thanks to all the hardcore BOA audio listeners 
the folks who have been with us from the very beginning and the newcomers, the people who have just been listening for a little while. Maybe this is their first ever episode. Maybe this is like their 12th show and they're just digging into the archives fast and furious and listening to all these past episodes. Welcome to the party, my friends. This is Banal of America Audio. Thank you for your enduring support of the program to the hardcore listeners and Thank you once again for making BOA Audio a part of your esoteric audio playlist. Until next time, this is Tim Benall. Thank you for listening and signing off.